of a classical education. Mr. Takaki. I could talk about industrialization and men's fashions all day, but I'm afraid work must intrude, and my associate Theo has some questions for you. Sort of fill-in-the-blanks questions, actually. You broke in here to access our computer? You want money? Of terrorists, are you? <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? <laughs> the cold, please. It's a very nice suit, Mr. Takagi. To be ashamed to ruin it. I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. Give me the code. One. Two. Three. I don't know it. I'm telling you. Get on the jet to Tokyo and ask the chairman. I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of December. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, the compadres, my amigos, my fellow travelers on the road of whimsy, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Draw near that ye might learn and be amused. It is uh, Monday, and welcome to Day 12. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you all for coming by. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. And yes, we're at work because we're game day players. Also, we're not the... Uh, you know. Also, we're not slackers. Two inches of snow can't stop. What the hell is that about? I can't make it to work. There's an inch of snow. Are you kidding me? The buses are running just fine. I can't believe people actually get the day off when, like, public transport still going strong. Don't even get me started. My wife went to work. I'm not going to... I will back up in a second, and we'll talk about what's coming up in today's program, and I'll forward promote and all of that. What do you want to know? My wife went to work. Let's see. Today's Monday. Yesterday morning, uh, Sunday, about 5 a.m. So my wife gets up at 5 a.m. Sunday morning, leaves the house at 6. She gets to work by around 6.45. You know, because it wasn't really snowing all that much. A little bit of, you know, a little bit of drizzle coming down and whatever. But it, it, everything's running fine. 
My wife is at work yesterday morning, Sunday morning, around 7.30, 7.45, when the snow starts to come down. Literally within an hour. She already heard from four people for that night's shift. We're like, I'm not going to make it in the night. I know it's 12 hours away, and it just started to snow five minutes ago. But, you know, I'm a government employee, and I can't be fired. So I'm calling in snowed. Jesus. It's not a world of men. Right, what can you do? Anywho. It is uh, Monday. Hi, how you doing? It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Want to get aboard with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvetches, rumors, ponderings, musings, uh, I don't know, jibbity-jibbity, rat-a-tat-tat, whatever it is you got. 503-733-2970. Richard Bristol standing by, ready, uh, willing, able, and fabulous. Standing back there to uh, pass along your observations about whatever it is you got. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Did I really just say Tim at 970.am? Curse my metal body. I wasn't smart enough. You know, and the weird thing is, in my head I was thinking, skip right over to Richie's. Well, well we, can, or you, we can just incorporate Tim Riley Radio at Yahoo.com. There you go. Every day. Because I think if you send stuff to Tim at 970.am, I think it just goes to me right now, which is, I guess, appropriate, if kind of depressing. Uh, well, in any event, because I think I got over the weekend, if I, I, I'm i a little bit behind on all my email, my company email, my personal email, my whatever email, my blah, blah, blah email. But I think I got a thing over the weekend letting Tim know that it's once again time to take his CBS indecency test so he knows you know, not to say, like, mf -er or whatever on the air. So, anyway, I guess if you email something to Tim at 970, I think I get it, so I can pass it along. All right. Uh, but for people who have asked, uh, Tim's email address is timreillyradio at yahoo.com. All right. Uh, well, in any event, aha! Coming up today, we have CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who will be joining us from the Hill. Uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer as well, because I guess that Illinois governor, whatever his name is, the guy with the big plastic hair, I think he may be stepping down today. I kind of hope not, though. I would like to see, I'm just saying for myself, I'd like to see him just dig his heels in, both literally and figuratively, and maybe just pull a full-on, uh, like, RoboCop mayor of Detroit thing, where he just... You, I'm not wishing. I'm not saying he should get a gun, but I'm saying if he'd somehow barricaded himself inside of his office and just refused to leave, because they already had to drag his ass away in handcuffs once. I'd like to see him have to do it again, but like much more brutally this time. I mean, I, re I would really enjoy it if. I mean, just because it is the holiday season, we are leading up to the birth of Jesus. So I figure, what better way to celebrate than if, uh, you know, the, if, like the governor of Illinois just absolutely flat out barricaded himself inside of his office, refused to leave, and then they had to come in and give him a, just a just a good solid beating on national television. I think as a people, as a country, as a nation, that's the sort of cathartic episode that we need broadcast across uh, television screens everywhere. I'm just saying, just speaking for myself. All right. Uh, so Lisa Desjardins, Amanda Moyer, Jim Roop. From Los Angeles today. Uh, let's see. We will have uh, today's top five. Uh, our good friend Chris Paddock from Rock 101 KUFO will be stepping into the studio later on today. We'll be counting down the top five comeback albums because uh, Britney Spears uh, going to number one with that uh, circus record of hers, which is fantastic, by the way. Let's see what else. Geek Watch coming up today. Bush Watch coming up today. Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas coming up today. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, other things. Oh, uh, coming up in the 2 o'clock hour today. We will be joined by Kate Sokoloff and Courtney Hameister 
who are the executive artistic director and the host slash head writer, respectively, of Livewire Radio, which a lot of you have seen sort of a... I hate to say it's like a Prairie Home Companion thing, but you know what I mean. It's like a live sort of variety show, blah, blah, blah. So that happens that their final performance for 2008 is going to be at the Baghdad this coming weekend. Uh, so we will have uh, Kate and Courtney uh, in the uh, studio later on today in the 2 o'clock hour. And they are amusing, by the way. So uh, what else? Well, that may be it for now. We'll try to get some other things. Uh, as you know... Uh, in the absence of uh, News Director Emeritus Tim Riley, we're having a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals fill in for the laid-off Tim Riley. Last week we had Byron Beck, Don Taylor, Tom Parker. Coming up this week, uh, a whole patchful of folks. Uh, we'll kind of list them off later on. I do believe today we will be joined by Todd Tulsis, who is a production director extraordinaire for some of the radio stations around town. Over the past few years, he'll be in the studio later on today to do news and reporting for us. Let's see what else. Well, that's enough to sort of promote for now. Really, if we get to all of that, it's going to be a freaking miracle anyway. So, uh, Your phone calls and all that coming up. It is 503-733-2970. Uh, people already standing by and hold, so we'll get to those in a second. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing well. I braved the bus system this morning. Now, you didn't drive. I didn't drive. Now, you see, you're, you're kind of in the Hawthorne area. I would think it would be clear on Hawthorne. No, it's actually in, in my neighborhood, because I live off on a side street, and in my neighborhood, it's so slippery. Like, I could barely walk down the street, let alone drive to the uh, car. That's a fair point. Well, better safe than sorry. Yeah, so I had to ride the bus, and it was really gross, and took, like, about 45 minutes, so. You had to ride with the stinking commoners? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, and people were, like, coughing, and it smelled bad. It was, like, in a metal tube of death. Oh, yeah, and I, you know, sitting next to a really obese person who's, like, you know, Dripping onto my seat. <laughs> Basically, it was it was not fun. Well, here's the thing: is as bad as the public transit can sometimes smell in this city, like under the best of circumstances, it's even worse on a day like today mm -hmm. because a everybody is sort of damp, and then warming up inside the bus, so you get that weird wet wool mixed with a not too pleasant body odor, kind of permeating the entire thing, and then also. There's, I would imagine, probably 30% more people riding the bus oh, in the max that I didn't Yeah, know. it was so crowded, and there were people there with their luggage, too. So, I mean, there's, like, luggage rolling around in the middle. So it was okay. I had a fun snow day yesterday. Like, uh, drank whiskey and went sledding and <laughs> had a good time. Wait, I like the idea of one immediately following the other, by it the way. It is the snow day. I mean, it was crazy on Hawthorne. Like, it, it was packed in Where did you car. go sledding? Up on Mount Tabor. Oh, wow. All yeah. Right. Did you, I mean, of course, uh, I know you wouldn't drink in the park. Of course not. Did you drink after or before or both? Um, both. <laughs> yeah, good for you. All right. Yeah, it was craziness. Like, there's so many people out in the streets and out at night, and everyone's just, you know, drinking hot toddies and they're having snowball fights and stuff. I have fun. impaired judgment and my motor control is diminished. Let's go sledding on Let's Mount Tabor. Let's run in the middle of the street with people who can't control their vehicles Let's right now. Let's go to the highest point in Portland and, decide, and cascade down the side on a big piece of wood. Oh, well, it was an inner tube, actually. We were doing some inner tubing. Well, okay. yeah, but you're here and you're alive, so that's <laughs> Exactly, what and I rode the bus and everything's good. So we'll work our way backward here in just a moment. We'll talk about Saturday night's uh, drag which extravaganza was with Richie Bristol as Rochelle Crystal, which really was quite something. I mean, it really was... If you're there, you know. If you're not, it almost is, it's almost pointless to talk about it because there's just no way to describe how weird and great and great and, and weird. And I mean, it really was quite like nothing I've ever seen before in my life, uh, Richie's performance on Saturday. So we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, anyway, so I hope everybody out there is uh, safe and calm and cool and collected and whatever. All weekend long, I was sort of getting the, uh, you know, it's going to snow, it's going to snow, look up at the snow, and then followed by... Hey, I had to walk all the way home. Please don't have my car towed from the CBS parking lot. I wasn't able to get out uh, yesterday. So I 
I left my house yesterday. Because here's the thing is that we, we had a late night on Saturday. We went to Richie's Drag Show. Went back home. My wife went to bed. Laura went to bed, I think, Saturday night around midnight because she had to get up at like 5.30 to go to work Sunday morning. So um, so I went to bed much later than that um, because I've just sort of given myself over to the fact that, especially on weekends, it's going to be like two hours a night of zombie killing. I mean, there's just going to be... I'm not going to try to gild the lily or make it any better than it is. I just... Uh, there really is a full-on screaming left-for-dead addiction happening in my house right now. I, I myself have become infected with the left-for-dead virus. So, so Lara went to bed, and this has become sort of our standard routine now. She goes to sleep, and I say, All right, great. Do you need anything? Water? You know, cough medicine? You're fine. Everything's good. Your pillow's fluffed? Great. Wonderful. Okay, I'll be out here in the living You just let me know. If, okay, bye. I shut the door and I get out of the living room and I don't even make any pretense of like I'm going to answer email or I'm going to be like working on, you know, things for the show from home or whatever. I just go right out of the living room and I turn on the Xbox and then I just uh, lose myself in about 90 minutes of uh, undead rampage. I mean, it's just... It really is. It really is just a massive time suck. I mean, in in a really glorious way. But uh, So I was up late Saturday night. I woke up Sunday morning around... I don't know, 10, 10.30 in the morning, because panic had called me. And I didn't hear, um, I didn't hear the phone. And so I woke up and I looked at the message, or I, you know, the phone, I didn't answer it. And I looked at it and I was panic called, why would panic be calling? And I checked the voicemail and it's panic going, hey, so if you need me to do anything today, uh, there's going to be some folks at the station. If you need anything, announcements or whatever on Sunday, you just let me know. And I'm like, what the hell is he even talking about? And I do and it's that thing where you get up and you walk into the kitchen and I'm just, you know, I'm just sort of, uh, you know, I'm making myself coffee and feeding the dogs or whatever. And, and I, I don't really look out the window because I'm so unbelievably asleep. But then you sort of think, you're saying, well, it's really light outside. Mm, it seems to be going on right there. And I look at the front window and you kind of go, ah, crap, for the I, love of... I woke up to a bunch of text messages and one of them from this random guy that I haven't seen in like a year... And it just said, look outside. Yeah. And I'm like, is he outside of my window? Why yeah. is he saying look outside? And I didn't even realize it. I'm waiting outside just, with a bone saw. I was saw. kind of creeped out. I'm like, why is this person writing at me? Is he just lurking out there? Uh, oh, so I, I actually didn't even leave the house yesterday. I, there was one moment when I tried. This is me in a nutshell. Uh, when Tom Parker was here, I guess Tom Parker was here on Thursday, maybe, or Wednesday. And we were talking about being OCD, you and I, mm. and how we have... You know, some anal retentive traits that are uh, the hallmarks of our personality. It's kind of nice that we've talked about it, especially with my clock thing, because it happened in front of the comedian the other day, but he had been listening to the show. Right. So I'm just like, ah, it's 5.55, and I had to run across the room and touch it. Well, for people who wonder if the whole OCD thing is kind of a put-on, or if it's sort of, sort of shtick, or just something we kind of do for the sake of, of, of amusement here, this is the only time I tried to leave the house yesterday. And you all who maybe you share some of my type A traits, uh, Sarah, I know you will. You will appreciate this because this is a thing inside of a thing inside of a thing. And we'll, we'll talk about this, then we'll get some phone calls, then we'll talk about Richie's drag show, then we'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. But um, so the only time I tried to leave the house yesterday, because I had called Lara because she was already at work. Cause she got to work before the snowstorm yet. And I called her and I said, hey, so I just want to make sure you got to work fine. And she's like, yeah, no, it's great. And, and she said, you know, it looks really bad out there and everybody's driving really crazily. You shouldn't even leave the house. And I said, well, you know, I got I to gotta leave at some point. And she said, well, why? And I said, well, because I was just looking at my day planner. This is yesterday for Sunday. I said, well, I was just looking at my day planner. And in my day planner, I have circled as a number one priority, must buy new day planner. Because literally, I'm within like two weeks and my day planner is going to be gone. And here's the thing. And, and again, it, it, you all who are just slaves to a million and one sort of compulsive tendencies that in your head somehow all make sense. They form a tapestry of sanity. Like, I'm already to the point where I have 
things that I'm going to have to do, like in January, like two, three weeks from now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but there's no, I have no place to write them because my day planner, it's like the day planner isn't made like a calendar, where at the end they, they, you know, they sort of buffer it with like an extra month. It's not like a calendar that shows you last month and next month. My day planner ends at December 31st. There's nothing beyond that. So I already have some things scheduled for January, and I have nowhere to put them. So I'm writing them all on December 31st. So if you look at my December 31st page in the day planner, I got like 12 things in there that are already like, move to January when new day planner is purchased, following tasks. And it's like the page is filling up faster than I can find room for all of the things. So I actually had in my day planner yesterday, must go to Office Depot, get new day planner. And so I told Laura, I'm like, well, I know it's bad outside, but I got the truck, I got the forerunner, I got four-wheel drive, I'm going to go to the store and buy a new day planner. And she's like, she's like, Rick, just wait until wait until the snow's gone. You get two weeks. I'm like, baby, I can't. It's, it's written down. It's an A1 task in my day planner. I have to leave the house. And finally she just sighs and she says, okay, be a Darwin watcher on your own show. Fine, whatever. And she just, she just hung up. Like she wasn't even like goodbye or I love it. She was like, fine, your funeral. Bye. She just hung up the phone. So I bundle up and I put, man, I'm getting my, getting my you know, gloves on and my hat, my scarf and my coat. And I'm all Nanook of the North. And I'm telling the poodles goodbye, like, all right, I'll be at the, you know, I'll be at the store. Don't destroy the house. I get in the truck. I back out of the driveway. I got on a Powell. Here's the first thing I saw yesterday. I know everybody has these stories. The first thing I saw on Powell as I get up to the intersection is a guy in a Miata just full on sliding all the way through the intersection. Because he was coming down 39th and, of course, like all jackasses, completely underestimated his stopping distance. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's fine. I'll be great. And he hits the red light. He just slid all the way through down past the supercuts. And I thought to myself, it was sort of a bad indicator, but of course, did I listen? No. So I got into Powell and I drove all the way up to, I got all the way up to 82nd. And by the time I got to about 82nd and like Foster, it was just a whiteout. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't move. I couldn't turn around. And then you're starting to have that weird John McClane in Die Hard internal monologue where you're going... Well, this is really a bad idea. I, what were we thinking? I don't know. I mean, we could have gotten the day planner next week. You know, we're going to die out here, right? Yeah. You know, other other people Can you stuck in yourself. You say we. Yeah, no, that's I. You know, because you're having a conversation with yourself there in the car. You have, you don't ever do that when you're in a bad, stressful situation. Why do we do this? We could have stayed at home. No, I never refer to myself as a we. I could be sitting at home with my socks, you know, uh, you know <laughs> my my socks and my bathrobe and having a cup of hot chocolate and fighting zombies. You know, here we're here in 80... Do we want to die in 82nd? Why did we do this? Did you really go all the way out to 82nd? I drove to 82nd and fought, but it was in my day planner. I had to get another... I had to buy a new day planner. It was written down. So did you get to office? No, no, I didn't because I got within two with I got within two blocks and I could see that it was closed. So I did a hold on the and damn store's not even open. Not to hell with that. Ah, uh, you know I hope I hope I don't freeze to death here. I meant to freeze to death in a better neighborhood. You know if I freeze here they're gonna come and they're gonna pull the fillings out of my teeth. Jesus, why did I leave the house? I wish I wasn't so crazy. I wonder if Sarah's at home right now. Maybe she had something to do. She's crazy too. I hope I'm not the only OCD person who had to leave the house. Hey, is that the sound of a tire going out? Am I stuck? I think my wheels are spinning. I wonder if I can turn around. I don't think I can turn around. I think I'm going to be marooned here in any second. I wish I wasn't so crazy. I wish some, you know. And finally, I got back home and I went inside and I just said, "Screw it." And that was I just pulled I just pulled the ripcord for the rest of the day. But it was uh, it was weird. Um, all right, let's um, let's see how long do we have. We got okay. <clears throat> like you six minutes like, here. Yeah. No, we have. Jim at, at 30 after. At Jim at 30? All right. Um, should we talk to Richie Bristol here? Yeah. Richie Bristol, will you join us here in the studio on this uh, Monday, and we'll get a heads up on the 
on your reaction to your uh, drag show, which happened uh, this weekend, which was fabulous, by the way. So we want to thank everybody who went to Richie's uh, drag extravaganza, which happened Saturday night in Vancouver at uh, North Bank. Richie Bristol is Rochelle Crystal. First of all, I have to say, in all sincerity, Richie, there's no snarkiness here. Great job. It really was quite really something. It was fantastic. Um, I don't know. You were kind of doing a rope a dope, I think. You were sandbagging a little bit because I don't. I think. Look, can we all just say it? We thought you were going to suck uh, it, because you were just sort of. You were kind of soft selling the amount of rehearsal you'd done and your ability to sing and dance and whatever. So we all got to with the North Bank on Saturday. And a lot of listeners there. Chris Paddock was there. Don Taylor was there. Kristen Bowie. Frank and Sarah, who drove all the way from Arizona for it. And Byron. Byron. I, Byron Beck. I was so, and then, of course, Tim Riley was there emceeing the whole event. And we weren't quite sure what to expect, but the curtain went up. And Tim came on and emceed it, and everybody was glad to see him. So it was a great, it was a great kind of, you know, uh, reunion of sorts. But you did a really good job, and there was a whole, there was this insane number where Richie and a bunch of other drag queens all dressed as nuns, singing the "I Will Follow Him" like the Sister Act kind of a thing. That was the big reveal too. That was your first one, wasn't it, Richie? Uh, no, when we ran around, I think it was racing against the clock. Oh, okay, yeah. But uh, I do have to say, really, hands down, the highlight of your performance on Saturday was you, and then this drag king, which is of course a, ma- a woman dressed as a man, Bruce. Uh, Br- Bruce. Uh, was you guys singing, doing a duet on the classic song, Making Whoopi. And it really was quite good. And especially because, let's be honest, you're a man having to sing as a woman in a kind of weird put-on drag queen voice, especially, and then also having to carry a tune. I mean, it's not easy, you know? It's kind of like, it would be sort of like trying to trying to sing while doing an impression of Al Pacino or something. You know what I mean? You have to do two things at once. You did a really great job. I mean, all kidding aside... It really was very good. So well done, Richie Bristol. Well, thank you. And lots of money raised for uh, for the Metropolitan Community Church. Yes, or? I think it was their best night of a charity event they've That's had. The so. power of the Rick Emerson show. We got Bristol. half their budget, so so they're very happy. It there. was it was pretty great. Um, let's see what else happened. Uh, we had a raffle, and my wife won a huge dildo. So a no, couple. She won two and gave me one. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, you got to. It is Christmas, Sarah. You have to spread the wealth around. Did you get a blue one or a purple one? The blue one. Oh, okay. Why? What's wrong with it? Nothing. I'm okay. just <laughs> skipping over the joke it's about blue. somebody getting a purple one. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess we'll talk about the rest of us on the other side because there's a lot more to tell from Saturday's uh, from Saturday's performance, which was just really one of the greatest, weirdest things I've ever done. So uh, congratulations on a great event, Rich. Well, thank you, were, you. How long did you rehearse? How many weeks of rehearsal drill? Seven weeks or so. It really, it did show. I mean, it was it was quite something. And th- I will say this one this one thing. One of the one of the greatest moments of the night was the look on Sarah's face when during I think your second number, yeah. or it might have been the first number. You want to think from the pajama game, uh-huh. the seven and a half cent song uh-huh. from the pajama game. And I and I leaned over to Sarah, and I was completely sober by the way. And I leaned over to Sarah and I said. I really have to say I like those stockings that Richie's wearing. <laughs> and the look on your face was really worth the entire evening right there. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take a break. Back after this with uh, Jim Roop, Lisa Desjardins, Amanda Moyer, more from Richie Bristol, your phone calls, the folks from Livewire Radio, the top five and all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Monday. <laughs> I think I should have any more caffeine. I've had too much of it. How much have you had? A lot. We'll leave it at that. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, and good Monday to you. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 
Uh, coming up later on today, senior radio correspondent James Roop will join us. Uh, also, we'll talk to Amanda Moyer about our good friend uh, Rod Blagojevich. Here's the thing, and I just learned how to pronounce his name, and I just started milking him for comedy, and now he's probably going to be gone. You would think it like it's a Christmas gift, like in this time of economic strife and turmoil and uh, sort of the, the personal catastrophes happening everywhere and just a great sense of national blackness and stress. You think he would at least sort of just stay long enough for us to, you know, like ridicule him through the turn of the year. Nobody cares anymore. Uh, let's see. Lisa Desjardins. We'll talk to uh, Kate Sokoloff and uh, Courtney Hommeister from Livewire Radio. We'll do the top five. It's uh, going to be fantastic. Todd Tolsis will be joining us uh, for the n- uh, new news hour today. We're uh, filling in uh, for the laid-off Tim Riley with a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals. A couple brief notes uh, just before we uh, sort of go on ahead. We'll talk more about Richie's drag show. I have to say that one of the high points, though, was this uh, was um, Corey Gray. Who is, he is the account executive who handles Taboo Adult Video. He's the sales guy that, uh, you know, is our liaison uh, with Taboo Adult Video, one of our proud sponsors. And they were actually the sponsor of, of Richie's event on Saturday. So, okay, so let's just come out and say it. He is a very attractive man. See, and I, I didn't know how to put that. He, I, I didn't. He, is, uh, he looks like a model. He I mean, looks like a male model. See, he looks like he should be working for Abercrombie. I mean, he's just, he's gorgeous. Well, okay. No, seriously. I mean, like, everyone... That was all, like, sort of, like, pussyfooting around. Like, well, he's a not unattractive man. No, he's like the John Hamm of our office. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he should put that on his business cards. So, uh, so Corey Gray uh, was there, uh, you know, A, because he's a team player and he wishes to uh, support the show and the station, but also because he works with, with Taboo Adult Video. So, so there he is, and he's sitting with, there was, like, Sarah and the comedian... And myself and Lara and uh, Tim was there, and then uh, Chris Paddock and his lovely wife Tracy and Byron and Byron's partner Juan. So we're all kind of sitting there at the front of this sort of like cordoned off section. And as the drag show is happening, you know they'll start the song and they'll kind of you know they'll come out and they'll sing a few verses. But then they'll like especially if it's a solo number, they would kind of wade out into the crowd. And, you know, not unlike Sammy Hagar wading into the audience to hand them the microphone for standing on top of the world. But they all just seemed to go right for Corey. It was like he'd been doused in some sort of weird drag pheromone. I mean, I don't really know. They all did, too. It didn't matter what the song or um, what, whoever the drag queen was. They all just went for him and sat on his lap. It was, it was like, it was like nine, uh, nine in a row uh, would come out, and they get like three sentences into, uh, you know, Girl from Ipanema or something, and then they would immediately walk off the stage right to Corey. At one point, doing almost like a, I don't want to call it a lap dance, but I would say it's more than a gyration and more than a, more than a close jiggle. Uh, it, and just, it, I mean, I have never, it was like he wanted a hole to open up in the floor just to suck him into the core of he the earth. He eventually ended up leaving. He did. Life. No, at one point he said. I felt so bad for him. He, and I think he actually did the whole, look at the time. And I think he may have, he may have literally tapped his watch and then kind of done that shrug of like, oh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's so very late. I'm, I'm going to have to go. And then he kind of bailed for the door. But, um, but Richie dressed up as a nun was Definitely one of the high watermarks of the evening. So I would say that everybody, everybody who came out did have, uh, did have, uh, did have quite a, quite a time. It was not entirely what I expected, but then again, I don't really know what I expected. Yeah, I don't know what I expected either. I'm glad that there was real singing though, because as soon as they were all lip syncing the whole time, I'm like, oh, is this all it's going to be? Well, they started with the lip syncing and then choreography, and then they added uh, the live singing on top of that. So it was, uh, it was exceptional. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick, it's CJ. Hello, sir. How can I uh, help you? 
Well, uh, I just wanted to let you know, last week, one of your other listeners mentioned a zombie game called Dead Rising. Yes. Well, uh, I was picking up some games uh, last week, and they said, hey, you got a free game. Why don't you go pick something? Well, they had one copy of Dead Rising left, and I picked it up for you. So, so um, what do I owe this honor, sir? Uh, nothing. It's just, How much? you know, this is, this is a guy who just keeps sending you stuff. <laughs> I like guys who keep sending me stuff. So Dead Rising is, Dead Rising is what? It is sort of similar to Left 4 Dead. I mean, it's the same thing. Um, is this the one in the shopping mall? Yes. Is it? No, it's like a sandbox thing. It's like a fully playable environment where you can pick up anything in the shopping mall and actually use it against the zombies? Uh, yeah, pretty much. That is wonderful. All right, uh, well, God bless you, sir. And also, uh, one other thing, yeah. you might be interested to know that uh, Rift Tracks has released a Dark Knight commentary. Really? Yes. All right, I'm all over that. You know, last night I should actually say, you know, when I when I wasn't busy killing zombies, I was actually watching The Grudge with the Rift Tracks commentary last night. So. Oh, good. All right, it, it is as though you look inside my soul and know what I crave, sir. No, I'm just the side of being a stalker. Okay, then. Thanks so much, CJ. Bye. Thank you. All right. On that note, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. You all heard that. That'll be a document. That'll be admitted into evidence at some future trial. Hello, Jim Roop. How are you? I'm very well, sir. Good Monday to you. How was your, uh, your weekend? Warm and sunny, I hope? Oh, no, no. We're cool and rainy. Really? Yeah. Is this one of those uh, Southern California things where it dips below 70 degrees and everybody's going to 7-Eleven to look for Duraflame logs? Yeah, it's 58. No one can handle it. I have to, uh, when I worked in uh, California, not in radio, of course, when I was in, I lived in San Diego before I came here and I did work at a 7-Eleven and I worked the graveyard shift, which was kind of great and fascinating all at once, but literally every time the mercury would get below you know, like 72, you would start to see this trickle of people coming in, and they would be buying those, like, presto pre-made logs that go in your fireplace. And I remember that, you know, I was just so naive, because, you know, I went there from Utah, where it's like you get 100 feet of snow when it's 40 below zero for nine weeks. And the first time a guy came in, he literally, like a... And I worked at a... How shall I put this? Um, I worked at a 7-Eleven in what we might call a stylish neighborhood. And so it's like 70 degrees, and a guy, a guy comes in in a bright pink sweater, uh, and and uh, you know with a, sort of like a matching scarf, and he went right for the Presto logs. And I said, if I can ask, what are you uh, what are you buying the Presto log for, sir? And he goes, well, because it's cold outside, silly. And then he like went in the car and sped away, presumably to go home and uh, I don't know, take care of his many cats. Uh, all right. Well, in any event, so. I don't even know where to where to begin. Is so circuit wait is Circuit City the, did they just file for Chapter Eleven? Is that who I'm thinking of? Yeah. So they're kind of getting it from all ends right now. It's a bad holiday to be them because on, on the other hand, on the one hand they just filed for bankruptcy. On the other hand, didn't they get just some fifteen million dollar uh, lawsuit they got to pay out now? Well, I don't know how much they're going to actually pay out. I mean, there's um, if you remember back in March, uh, Circuit City laid off some. 3,800 employees nationwide. In California, Gloria Allred and her partner uh, filed suit on behalf of 217 of them here in the state and uh, age discrimination because Circuit City claims they fired people based on salaries to, to cut costs. Right. Well, you know, those with higher salaries are the ones who've been working for a while, so those are going to be your older employees, and it, it impacted too many of them, which constituted, according to the lawsuit, Age discrimination. Um, it, they did, it, Circuit City didn't go to trial on it. They rather they settled for fifteen million dollars. So how does that work with them being bankrupt? 
Well, see, that's to me, that's the genius of it because they're protected. So they'll settle for it. I don't know that they're going to be liable for it. I don't know that. I'm, I'm just guessing. You know, Gloria Allred says she's going to go for every dollar possible. Right. She didn't say she was going to be successful in, in, in achieving every dollar. Her success really is that she put employers on notice that you can't cut costs or save money on the backs of older workers. So that's pretty much her win there. As far as whether the plaintiffs get their money or not, I don't know if she really cares too much about that, except for the fact that she gets a percentage of that. But I can't see how they're going to pay it. And even if they do, these plaintiffs have to get in line with the other creditors. So I don't know how that's going to work out. They may they may not receive all of it, but they may receive some of it. Can I tell you this? I I almost feel like I ought to be putting Gloria already just on a retainer, just you know, in case I ever need to sue somebody someday. Because it seems like she's a woman who gets business done. You know, she's an ankle biter, man, and she'll latch on and just <laughs> hang on until you and you can't you can't shake her loose. No, and, you know, she she'll just definitely, she, she you know, I, I I love the lady because first of all. You, you give her. She emails you all the time. Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm going to be down here with this announcement for this lawsuit. So she tips you off to all the great stuff she's doing, and then she's always available to you, no matter when, no matter what. You know, Gloria Allred. She'll call you right back. Gloria Allred. Uh, she understands the symbiotic nature of uh, of the the legal profession and the press. She knows how that works. Yeah, I, I don't think it's an ego thing with her. I think she realizes that in order to get anything done, she's got to make some noise. And it's not about her, it's about her case getting one. Yeah. That being said, I'm pretty sure that she has a secret set of steel teeth lurking behind her regular <laughs> teeth. And if you're, you're looking the wrong way, they're going to come out and they're going to rip out your larynx. That's it just a guess. Be, could very well be, man. So I'm going to email her one of these days and be like, look, Gloria, uh, undoubtedly I will need to sue somebody someday. So I would like to preemptively retain your services because you seem like a woman who gets things done. So have we, We've talked about this before. Have you seen her hot daughter? Oh yeah. Oh man, it's the kind one of on True TV. It's it's yeah. sort of freaky. Is Gloria Allred married? Uh, not now. She was. Uh, right. uh, sure. Boy, that must have been a pleasant divorce. Imagine getting divorced from Gloria Allred. I think she's still married. All right. I was going to say. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm. Look, I'm sure that Gloria Allred is a nice person. Uh, you know, when you know her socially, but. If you somehow found yourself married to Gloria Allred, don't you assume that you would just stick with that marriage until you were dead? I mean, I, I cannot possibly think of a worse divorce to go through than that uh, that of one from Gloria Allred. I think you, I think you would die. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, if, yeah. At that point, you're just like, look, I don't care what I have to do. I'll just stay drunk on pills and booze the rest of my days because going to court is just going to be like being lit on fire every day. Well, you know, if, if you take a look at early younger days of Gloria Allred, she's she's a looker. She wasn't that bad. Really? Yeah, I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't, I wouldn't call her hot, but, you know, I mean. She was a handsome woman? Yeah, well, she looks better than I do, <laughs> you know. I think that, Aim high. <laughs> All right. But then again, everybody does. Yes, well, uh, hey, by the way, just to, as we wrap this up here, we got to uh, talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Amanda Moyer here in just a moment. But I will say, because of you, I was inspired, and I spent extra time rearranging the decorations of my Christmas tree this weekend. And I don't have sufficient light, lights right now to go inside and wrap the sort of core of the tree, yeah. but I'm going to go to the store tonight, and I'm going to buy some, and that's what my uh, evening project is going to be. So it you makes have, all uh, the difference, man. No, you really have motivated me to take my uh, indoor decorations to the next level, sir. So well done. I'm glad I can help. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes, sir. All right. We will talk to you then. Thank you, Jim Roop. All righty. All right, there you go. See you in a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. All right, here in, okay, I guess in like five seconds here, we will be uh, joined by CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. There's so much happening. It is crazy. Hey, I have a great idea that I'll read quickly. Who wants to hear it? I guess since I'm only... Okay, Sarah, here's my great idea. Uh, so Laura and I were, where the hell were we? 
We were going, so we were downtown for something. Oh, we were going to the Apple store. This is a long story. I'll get to it later. But um, so we were walking along, and a Salvation Army guy is like ringing the bell. And of course, what do you do when you walk by? You, 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 almost rarely, you know, almost never do you get money. It's very rare that people get money, mm-hmm. just, you know, especially now. But I mean, it's, 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 it's mostly all the the law of averages is just such that most people don't. So not only do you not give, you look down because you're sort of like like a don't notice me sort of a thing. And then you shuffle by really quickly because it's awkward and you feel like a jerk. I had this idea. Here's what the Salvation Army guys uh, ought to do because that, that bell is so guilt-inducing. They ought to just put a sign up that says, look, I will quit ringing this bell for five minutes if you give me a dollar. <laughs> Rather than sort of the bell being used to generate money, the silence of the bell ought to be used to generate money. You know, you give me 50 cents, I'll quit ringing it for 45 seconds. You know, it's up to you. I think people, I would absolutely pay for that. So that's a little FYI from me to you. All right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, our good friend Amanda Moyer. Hello, Amanda. Hi. Let me get a quick spot read on this. If you walked by a Salvation Army bell ringer, guy has a sign says, look, you give me $2, I'm not going to ring this bell for the next four and a half minutes. Don't you think that that would kick up donations just a little bit? I think it would. That bell is quite annoying when you're standing out there and they keep doing it. And like you said, it is very awkward walking by them not putting money in there. And, 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 but, of course, and everybody does the same thing, but it's but none of it works. Everybody does the thing of looking down uh, as though, uh, you know, as though you're some sort of a, uh, you know, looking down as though you as, as, as though you're, you know, you've lost a contact lens and then sort of briskly speed walking past them hoping that then they won't notice that you walked by and gave them no money and that nobody else will notice, and that, in effect, the whole thing didn't happen, which, of course, isn't the case at all. And everybody kind of knows everybody kind of knows the deal, and it's just a shared moment of awkwardness for everyone. So this is a way around that. I am giving that idea freely to the universe so that any and all bell ringers might use it and make life a little less uncomfortable for everyone. Speaking Sounds like of, a plan there. Speaking of uncomfortable and trying to wish everything into non-existence. I don't. Here's the thing with this, Governor Blagojevich. Unless something has changed in the last few minutes, they're kind of they're kind of indicating that he might step down or step aside today. But do we know that that's the case? Because he just seems so he seems so firmly in denial of everything that is going on around him right now. We do not know that's the case, that he will step down. Um, in fact, his, the governor's office still says that he will not resign, at least not today, they've said. Um, however, there are rumors that he, he will step down. Others say that he's got a lot of money problems and that he needs to stay in that seat. He continues to go to work each day, and uh, that's why the uh, the of the state legislature, they're meeting today, and they're actually uh, going to head go forward with a legislative committee to consider possibly impeaching him. I mean, I gotta uh, I gotta compare him to our good friend Larry Craig from Idaho, who you know everybody remembers Larry Craig and the uh, you know the bathroom stall and the tapping and the whatever, and this old sort of. You know, there's this huge clarion call from everybody that he had to step down, and he got to give it to him. He, I think, read the tea leaves correctly. He just said, well, no, and he stayed and I think continues to stay. He just figured that if you wait it out long enough, eventually something else will happen to somebody else, and the spotlight will be off of you, and you'll get to keep your job at least for a while. So I wonder if well, that... And- Go ahead. That this could happen here too. He is is very adamant that uh, every time reporters speak to him, he he puts them off. He says something like "Have a nice holiday," and he's very blatant about the way he goes about um, saying that he's he's going to be cleared of these charges. He has, like I said, his office says he has, will not step down. And what, meanwhile, 
the calls for his resignation are mounting, and with the this committee now going to try to uh, work on impeaching him, but it could take a very long time for that to happen. It could be weeks, if not months. By the way, I, I saw him the other day, and this was the, this wasn't file footage. I mean, I don't know if it was that day, but this was very recent footage of him leaving. I don't know his house or somebody's getting into that that big black SUV that he always seems to be traveling around in. And I mean, somebody's got to pull that guy aside and say, "Look, friend, if you're going to weather the storm here, you got to start to dress a little better." Because I'm not just talking about the leather jacket. He had like those full-on, like those those warm-up pants from Adidas that are like black with the white stripes down the side, and then the leather jacket on top of that. And it was really just an unbelievably. It was like a page out of Mr. Blackwell's, you know, uh, end of the year wrap-up. So somebody should let him know that. Uh, you know that that he needs to step it a little bit of the step it up a bit in the uh, in the personal appearance department. But that being said, I mean, what would be the timeline for them kicking him out of office if it happened? Well, it would probably, like I said, it probably take weeks. It could even be months. Uh, this committee is just formed. They're going to start work tomorrow. Uh, the Illinois House Speaker says that this group, uh, it's it's. 12 Democrats and 9 Republicans, and they're going to deliberate and make this decision uh, every day with the exception of the holidays, such as Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and they're going to uh, work until they have a report. And uh, it, But it, there's no indication of how long that could be, and if they're split, what happens then? And I guess the theory is every day he's there, he's still pulling a paycheck, and if he does need the money, his motivation uh, to save face by resigning is perhaps uh, outweighed by his motivation to keep paying the rent. That's exactly right. And I, I should mention, too, that he did meet over the weekend with a high-profile attorney, uh, but uh, we don't know if that is going to be, in fact, his attorney, but he did meet with an attorney over the weekend. All right. CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer in Atlanta. Thank you, Amanda. My pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you soon. There you go. Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right. Uh, let's see. Do I have any other notes from this weekend? There's so much stuff. I've, all of this crap to get to. Oh, here's a great... I wrote this down, and 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 I was sort of rethinking this morning whether I wanted to say this, but you know I'm on, now I have to now that I've mentioned it now I'm pot committed. So on Saturday night, we left for Vancouver at I don't know like maybe maybe 7:45 or so. But Laura and I were downtown doing some stuff, and I think we were trying to get some Christmas shopping done, and it didn't really didn't really pan out the way we wanted it to. But it, 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 she'd finished that second Twilight book, and so she immediately was like, I need the third book. Where is it? And so we ended up uh, going around, and I think we, I, we put off buying it because we are going to be going to Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. But we were kind of out just looking to see if it was even available in paperback before we did anything because she was actually thinking about, uh, you know, about borrowing it from somebody or whatever. But so we're downtown doing all this shopping, and we're heading to Richie's Thing, which is at the North Thing, which is, you know, which is a gay bar. And... As we're walking around, this is at 635 on Saturday, filed us under the, you might have a problem if, my wife said, quote, you know, we might need to stop at a bar on the way to the bar. <laughs> and I said, but we're going to a bar. And she goes, look, you don't understand. Ask Sarah. She'll tell you. No, she goes, totally. we, we might need to stop on the way there. I told you, you have to, you have to pre-funk a little bit. I totally had a beer before we yeah, <laughs> went to the North Bank. And my final observation is this. I, this is one of those things that I don't know if it's just me. Tim, when he was uh, doing the hosting on Saturday, uh, at the drag show, Tim actually had his GPS with him, his brand new GPS that he ordered, which he's ecstatically happy about. He actually sent me an email about it, I think, on Friday or Saturday or something. I have my new GPS. No matter how I try to get lost, it won't let me. It's the greatest thing I've ever purchased. So Tim is all about the GPS. And so I don't know whether this is part and parcel of my own inability to find my way, any my way anywhere or my sort of my challenges in terms of spatial relations. 
But am I the only one that goes to park at one of those garages downtown? And then, A, there's like three things that happen to me every time I park in a garage. And this happened on Saturday because Laura and I, there was no parking on the street anywhere. So finally we were like, F it, we're going into a garage. We go in, we park the car, and then I realize that, A, I can never remember what street I exited on. So when I go back to the parking, first of all, it takes me like 15 minutes to remember which parking garage it even is because there's like nine on every block. And you're kind of standing there looking up at the big buildings like some sort of goggle-eyed tourist going, was it the one by Subway? I don't know. Was well, it a parking garage? I have a lot of these monologues of myself. There's a parking garage down the street by the Whole Foods. Maybe it was that. I don't know. Maybe there's one. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I, th- I remember seeing a Ross dress for less. As I was getting ready to go into the garage. Wait, but is that the same garage as the one with the subway? Well, I guess I can just go in. Well, I don't know, but how would I know if it's the one with my car? I guess I'd have to look at every parking space. What you floor am I on? a lot of inner monologue stories today. But I do this with, but here's the thing is, I do this with all kinds of things. And I'm surprised that you don't. I'm, I'm sort of surprised that you don't have, like, actual conversations with yourself, even in your head or I out do, loud, I, because you and I share so many other Yeah, I, I do sometimes, and I, yeah, I do get confused, like, where I leave my car and stuff. So I do, have the, I do go through the same problems you do. I guess I just never really thought that I, you know, thought about it. Oh, I do. Like, no, completely, like, 100% diehard style, where I'm, you know, get together, have a few laughs. It's not like, sort of with, you know, with a lighter, like, going through an air vent looking for Hans Gruber. So by the time I figure out where the garage is in which I park my car, then I realize that I don't remember what street I exited on. Because, you know, like a lot of those garages, it's like you can go out on either like 3rd or Salmon or whatever. So then I'm trying to figure out which area of the garage I need to get to. And then this. Do you ever go to one of those garages after you've done your shopping downtown and you realize you can't figure out how to get back into the garage? So you end up, wait for it, walking up the down ramp. I can't tell you the number of times that I have just gone back into a parking garage by walking up the ramp, knowing that at any second, like a car is going to come barreling out and kill me. So, no, I hate parking garages. My mom is the same way too. Like I always forget where I park. She has to park in the same spot at the Bremerton Mall every time in the same parking spot, or else she'll never be able to find her car. No, and for for hours before. And any number of times, I am that guy sort of walking around with the car alarm thing, just setting off. You're pressing the alarm button over and over, just trying to figure out exactly where my car is by, like, you know, by by sound or whatever. So, I don't know. It's one of those, but it's one of those things that happens in my head that reminds me that whatever, whatever chromosome or whatever it is that, that helps you navigate around, I just, it was just surgically excised from me. I just don't have it. All right, we should take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Todd Tolsis, a uh, laid-off Portland media professional, filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley today. Coming up later on, top five, Geek Watch, Joy of Christmas. Uh, we will talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins later on, as well as the uh, folks from Live Wire Radio. Stay there. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program on Monday. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. And so forth. Coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us from the Hill. 
We'll also talk to Kate Sokoloff and Courtney Hameister. I was trying to figure out how to pronounce her name. Because, you know, it was kind of phonetic, but not quite. And she, in fact, told me, because she's the head writer and host of Livewire uh, Radio, she said, because I'm the head writer and it's a comedy show, I am, in fact, the Ha-Meister. So every time you hear me say Courtney Ha-Meister, if there's a little bit of a pause there, it is because in my head I'm actually going and I'm using, like, that flashcard of a mnemonic device in my brain to figure out uh, what to say. So there you go. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Top five uh, coming up later on the day and more. It is uh, 503-733-2970. As you know, uh, we have been we put up a blog about this. Uh, we have been filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley with a series of other laid-off Portland media professionals. Uh, last week we had uh, Don Taylor, Byron Beck, um, Tom Parker. We have a few other folks lined up for this week. And later on, I don't think I have the list in front of me. In fact, I know I don't. It's on my desk. Um, later on in the show, I'll bring uh, the list down from my office. We'll kind of uh, talk about some of the other folks who are going to be joining us this week. Because the good news, bad news is uh, there seems to be no shortage of folks who have been trimmed uh, by the Portland media what, You know, in all of its various... Uh, all of its various forms over the last you know, weeks, months, whatever. So, anyway, uh, so that is throughout the week. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we now want to welcome to the Rick Emerson radio program. I meant to do, should we do this and then the sounder? I don't even know how to do it today. Yeah, I guess you were going to say his name and then All I right. do something. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson program, filling in for the laid off Tim Riley, the laid off Todd Tulsis. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. So, before we go any further, I am pronouncing. I'm so blessed, buddy. I'll tell you. How so? That is such a hot opening. You know? <laughs> just for you, Todd. I've never had anything opened like that. Well, it's not really just for you, but uh, you know what? And I got to our imaging guy, uh, and you'll appreciate this because you do a lot of voice work. Yeah. He knocked that out in like four hours. It took him only four hours. Uh, because last, uh, I guess last Monday, or you know, the, 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 was a week ago. Someone just came in. What was that? That was the <laughs> loudest sound I've ever heard. Someone just came in. What the hell was that? Um. <laughs> So it was last Monday, and I apologize, by the way, if I seem spacey today. I just, my whole, I, you know. It feels like a vacation day. I'm in a, you know, and I should say, I'm actually in a really great mood, but the inside of my brain feels a little untethered uh, today. Sort of like a Zeppelin that has come loose from its moorings. It's sort of just floating around inside my uh, cranium, bumping into everything. So if at any point I seem a little like, it's because of that. So I guess it was a week ago. It just seems like, it seems like so much longer ago than that. But last week was Tim Riley's last day and uh, you know obviously you know out of respect for tim and all of that we wanted to you know to get some different imaging that we use for the new segment and i told buzz our imaging guy i'm like look this is the situation and i'm going to need something else uh, you know for the news hour and literally like three four hours later bam done on my desk so uh we're nothing if not professional todd told us we are indeed so people may recognize your voice they may know you from such radio stations as 1190 kex and something called KPOJ, yeah. whatever that might be. Oh, you know what that is. Where were you? Now, were you at KPOJ? Were you there? Uh, that's the Air America from, station? Yeah, from day one and way before that. It's hard to believe they'd be having budget cuts. That's I'm stunned by that news. Yeah, I know. Well, clear channel. At a certain point where you just, like, invited to go over to Al Franken's uh, house or whatever, just rummage underneath his sofa uh, cushions to try to find a paycheck. I forget those guys are 3,000 miles away, yeah. you know, in New York. But, yeah, I helped uh, kick it off. In fact, KPOJ was the very first affiliate for Air America Radio. Wow. The very really, first one. Don't... I know this sounds obvious. Uh, 
But you have a really good radio. You really sound like a voice guy. I mean, that's, oh my god! I mean, one of those things. You are a guy whose voice you would hear on a demo reel. Yeah. You know, on radio, you'll get demo reels from people who are like, "I am available for voice work and imaging. I have done formats including soft AC, Churban, and rhythmic country. I am available now. Click here to listen to my demo." And those guys all have a certain kind of very, you know, just a very. Uh, uh, very seasoned and very polished delivery in a way that just makes me sound like, sound like more of a hack than I normally do. You have one of those voices, sir. You know, this is nothing that decades of whiskey and cigarettes couldn't do for you, too. <laughs> Seriously, have you considered perhaps phone sex? I'm telling you. I mean, you know, men need love, too, and they'd probably be willing to pay for that. Oh, so, my fiancé just would not put up with that. Well, you've got to pay the rent somehow. Uh, we should, uh, before we go any further, we should say uh, Todd Tulsa's can be reached. Imagingvoice.com. That's yes? it, yeah. So you have worked at KEX, you've worked at KPOJ, uh, you've done films, you've done animated features. What are some of the what animated features have you done? I worked a lot for Will Vinton when he was uh, busy with his own studio here in town, Will Vinton Productions. Right. Uh, Will was best known for the uh, creating the California Raisins. The Raisins did uh, uh, not just uh, claymation uh, features, which were broadcast on CBS. Uh, which I was I was on both of them. That was the raisins uh, sold out, and the and the uh, and the, <laughs> the raisins and meet the raisins, which was their first one. Are these full length features that I somehow missed? Yeah, these I were, mean, no offense. Well, they were full length for television. They were thirty minutes long, and they were uh, maybe they were an hour long. I think they were an hour long. And uh, I played the raisins manager, Rudy Begaman. He was a rutabaga. I see. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Will also went on wow. to make the um, like a, uh, a claymation Easter and um, the uh, claymation Halloween special, which is also called the claymation comedy of horrors. And I played the Easter Bunny in the Easter special. Did you even get like a little foam uh, raisin or something to keep? Did you get any when you do voice work like that? Like, do you ever? Here's a question: When you in the the, the the California raisins, you were what? The Rudy Bega? That was Rudy Begaman. Yeah, Rudy Begaman. Um, so, I mean, do you ever, are you in a room with the other actors that like, because I think the Simpsons, when they do voice, when they do the voice tracks of the Simpsons, somebody told me that they do it kind of like a radio play, where they kind of do it all in sequence, they're all in the room together, if you're a guest in a scene, you sit in the green room, you come in to do your scene, and then you leave again, but they try to do it sort of as live as possible to get the feel. Is it that way when you're doing something like Will Vinton stuff? It's different. In Claymation, at least uh, for, the, for the features I did, um, I worked alone. Um, even if I was uh, talking to other characters. A sad man in a room pretending to be a vegetable. And a lot of that is because they have to do a reference film. They had to shoot an, a 60-millimeter reference film. They're filming you while you do your voice lines. And that's so they can take the reference film back to the claimators, and they can look at the movie and replicate your facial movements wow. while, you're, you know, while you're speaking. So they can mold the clay in such a way so that they know which teeth are showing when you say this word, what do your cheeks look like, you know, what are your eyebrows doing, you know, uh, do your eyes get bigger or smaller when you emphasize things. So they use a reference film, and they still do this to this day, even without clay. They do it in computer generation. Is it weird to see well. yourself as a raisin? Uh, yeah, and it's fun at the same time. I'll tell you what else was cool, though. I did 13 episodes of the California Raisin Show in Los Angeles for an, a Saturday morning cartoon series following the, the claymations. This uh, was like between Mr. T's Hour of Power and the, and the, the, like the Hulkamania. And tales, right? Yeah, yeah totally. all, all that stuff. And uh, that's, now that's a, a circumstance where all the guys are in the same room and we're lined up next to each other in microphones and stuff like that. But the coolest part of that... Because I went into the Glendale Galleria one day. This is while we were still in production. 
and I saw my tiny plastic figure for sale in the toy store. Really? The guy that I was voicing. You are an action figure. Yeah, sort that's of. right. That that's is right. so cool. As yeah. A, as a rutabaga. Yeah, and all the raisins were in there, too, you know, about you know about two, three inches high with multiple arms and stuff, and there was Rudy Bagman. I bought up all I could find. Is it Okay, is a rutabaga the weirdest thing you've ever been the voice of? Probably. I mean, it's hard although, to top that, I suppose. Uh, I played a... God, I think I, I played a hot dog once. I played an ice cream cone. Uh, I played a towel for Georgia Pacific Pool Chemicals. What, a once. towel? <laughs> what does a towel even have to say other I, than do you guys want to get high? I was interviewed by the... Uh, I was interviewed. It was a sort of a man on the street kind of thing. The great... We're Mal- here with the towel. I know, exactly. That's what it was. The, guy, the guy's name is Mal Sharp. He used to do man on the street stuff for uh, like KSFO in San Francisco. Right. And uh, he'd be, well, we're out on the street today talking with a, a towel. And, uh, and, uh, and you're here next to a, a pool that's been cleaned by Georgia Pacific Pool Chemicals. What is the voice of the towel? Well, Mal, you know, it seems... Wow. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of freaking well, I, I like being around here, Mal, you know, that sort of thing. So. Okay, here's the really great and unnerving thing about that is you didn't even have to stop and kind of go back through the mental file and find it. It was just, the towel is like preset key one. You just hit it and the towel voice uh, know. emanated. And the towel's so ready to work again, so just, you know, call, right? <laughs> <laughs> Please, something. I, it, I, I will say this. I mean, at the risk of sounding like we're sort of lamenting, uh, you know, having, having, you know, working in this situation, because we're not. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it, there are many, 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 many harder ways uh, to earn a living, and you know, and we're, we're all very conscious. I mean, you know, especially recently, you just, you were very aware of the fact. You know that you're sort of lucky to get to do something like this for a living, something we love. And voice work is the same way. But I have to ask, at a certain point, like you're. I mean, have you done stage acting or, you know, regular acting? Yeah, I you have. I, I've been on stage. I've I've been in, like, six other movies. So, uh, I mean, yeah. at a certain point, like, were you and the other Raisins guys in a room, you know, and and they're coming in, they're like, okay, now, nah, you're the rutabaga. You're going to be the mischievous zucchini. <laughs> I got the three Raisins uh, who will be playing uh, the Sam and Dave classic Soul Man. And then uh, you will play the part of a grape who one day uh, hopes to be a raisin. Uh, we're going to roll in like five minutes. And then he leaves and you guys kind of look at each other and go, well, it's, it's a living, I guess. I... It's actually, it actually happened faster than that, Rick. I mean, it's faster than that. The director, a gal, a great director by the name of Susan Blue down in Los Angeles, where all the guys are standing, there's only like six of us. And sometimes in some of the episodes, there's 12 or 15 characters. So some of us have to do multiple characters. And, you know, we'll have our, our standard characters for each episode. And then she'll say, Brian, do the, uh, do the uh, Swedish uh, bikini team uh, surfer uh, acorn that you did, uh, you know, like uh, four years ago. Like, oh, okay. You know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and Todd, you do the, uh, do the, um, the extremely, uh, you know, anxious uh, stage manager behind the, uh, behind the curtain trying to get the raisins to come on stage. Oh, okay. I can... What is the voice of, uh, of Rudy Begaman, the stage manager? Well, Rudy Begaman, uh, he's, he's sort of a... A fast-talking Dangerfield kind of guy, you know. He's he's the kind of guy who would sound like, you know, what are you kidding me? Oh, these guys—they had no talent when all when I found them. I, you know, they needed some some stick and some clothes to classy up the act a little bit. I'm telling you. So now is this a thing I can rent? Because if it is, I'm going to do that on the show. <laughs> I'm going to go home and I'm going to so. watch it tonight. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, I think I think the raisins features are available somewhere. Well, sure. Todd Tulsa, thank you for uh, being in the studio with us today. It is, uh, it is imagingvoice.com as we sort of move on. Oh, and by the way. I... I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. Is it you did? You were the kind of the voice of uh, of KPOJ of the Air America station. Here, well, right? I was I was Tom Hartman's imaging guy. Right. So I did his imaging. Uh, give me give me him. a Tom Hartman imaging line. 
Uh, you know, it was it was very very simple because you know no. yeah because you gotta let Tom <laughs> I'm do sorry. all the talking. You know? Oh Rick, you, you gotta arrange yourself. You know, it's, it's fine. Tom Hartman on Air America Radio. You know that sort of thing. All right, you say this. You have a voice from God. Oh, say I this. wish. I wish. Uh, say this. Say um. Uh, Tom Hartman keeps cheerleaders in the trunk of his car. <laughs> Tom Hartman keeps cheerleaders. In the trunk of his car. I am going to have so oh much fun with this today. God. Seriously, if you here's the thing: if you had declined just now, or just sort of said, "Well, Rick, respectfully, I'd prefer not to," I would have honored that. You've really just opened the biggest Pandora's box you could possibly imagine. All right, I'm going to be uh, creating a list of things we can say uh, using your voice throughout the rest of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I guess we've already kind of begun the noon hour, and it is uh, 12:16. This filling in for the laid off Tim Riley is the laid off Tom Tolsis, uh, giving you the news. Oh, thank you, Rick. Saturday Night Live uh, skit portraying New York's blind governor as a bumbling leader didn't really get a laugh from Governor David Patterson, apparently. Patterson's office said the skit ridiculed people with physical disabilities and implied that disabled people are incapable of having jobs with serious responsibilities. This skit that was on Saturday Night Live last Saturday, cast member Fred Armisen as uh, Governor pa- uh, Patterson uh, said he must appoint someone to replace Senator Hillary Clinton, and Armisen said he has three criteria for filling the job economic experience, upstate influence, and someone who's disabled and unprepared for the job. Well, was this, this was just this last Saturday's yes. skit of that. Yeah. Was this the one where he held up, I, and I didn't see it, because, I mean, like in a post-Palin era, I've kind of gone back to ignoring that program. Was this the thing where it was like he was holding up the chart, or he was holding up the unemployment graph, but it was like upside down? Because he's blind! Yes. Wow. So, that's just, yeah. uh, that's Noel Coward-esque wit, is that's, what that is. Uh, probably just, you know, brushing the poor taste award there. Well, there, because, and, and look, it's, just not, it's not like we're above, not like we're above <laughs> making blind jokes. We're certainly not. Um, but I, I would say that the problem with SNL is, those guys, even now, they live so much in the shadow of their past that they're always trying to recreate that Chevy Chase falling off the podium as Gerald Ford uh, kind of a thing. And I would also think... That on SNL, as soon as... Because Tina, is she done? Because I know that she said if Palin won, she wasn't going to do it anymore. But is she done now? I think so. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, they I did, don't watch their SNL. Did time. they do anything with the turkey killing sketch? <sighs> oh, that would have been genius. But I mean, maybe they were just thinking it was so insane anyway that there was no way to parody it. So I, I don't know. But, um, but, but I, I would think that with SNL, you know, they're always looking for the fresh meat. In other words, you know, you find a character that works, whether it is... Whether it's somebody based on real life, like the Latina Fea, Sarah Palin, or whether it's just, you know, like it's the church lady or it's, you know, one of the Will Ferrell characters, where you just got to milk it for every dollar you can. So you, you find something, because they got 90 minutes of live TV to fill every weekend. So as soon as they find somebody or a character or a portrayal or a caricature that works, you know, they just ride that train until it until it reaches the end. So they must just throw everything out that they can possibly think of, hoping that just something sticks, uh, like the Chevy Chase Gerald Ford thing. So this was probably their attempt at that. Yeah, it ended up being um, uh, the uh, National Federation of the Blind spokesperson, Charles Danielson, said uh, this is absolutely wrong. And, of course, no one from NBC, which produces SNL, could be reached for comment. Yeah, see, and now I feel like there's all these jokes that I'm missing out on right here. But that's okay. We're going to move on. Here is uh, Todd Tolson. Newsweek Magazine. There you go. Newsweek Magazine is planning staff cuts as part of a major editorial makeover likely to result in a slimmer, (laughs) slimmer publication. The Wall Street Journal said citing people close to the magazine. The cuts are expected to be outlined in two company-wide meetings on Thursday. Will come from an extension of voluntary redundancies offered in the spring. Voluntary redundancies. You love that word. Uh, when Newsweek shed 111 jobs, the paper said. What is a voluntary redundancy? 
That's like, you know, two people have the same job and they're asking one of them to split Oh, oh, not voluntarily. Okay, so, okay, so but uh, it's like a, like, so a voluntary sort of quitting if you are, yeah. uh, a voluntary resignation if you are redundant. Yeah, they're saying sort of, you know, if you if you leave on your own, maybe we'll give you a little, you know, a box of cookies and one of those tins of popcorn, you know. <laughs> Was that what you got? If, if you the... don't, you'll be fired with nothing. Is that what you got at KPOJ? I got escorted out of the building, yeah. Uh, wow. Oh, really? That's of course. Right. Oh. Hey, would you, uh, would, you, would, you like a, uh, would you like a Young Turks coffee cup? <laughs> we have that. Uh, how about, uh, what do we have here? Pop-Tarts from the kitchen. Do you like Pop-Tarts, Todd? Um, <laughs> that's it. Get out. Hey, what is it? Do they still have that show, uh... What is that? What is that show that uh, that, that, that that Air America or whatever runs? That the he's Turks. like no, no, but he's like he's like a Kennedy or somebody. Oh yeah, but Robert he, Kennedy. Yeah, Robert F. Kennedy. But Jr. is that the guy? But isn't it? Is the guy who? It sounds as though he's uh, as though he's uh, like about I don't know, like chapter one through a fifteen chapter how to overcome your speech impediment book. Oh yeah, well you know he's uh, this is uh, he has he has a medical affliction and it's part it's part and process of the medication he takes. Okay, which uh, causes his voice to sort of sound like this. But it's but but not like not even that endearing. I mean, so if it's a medical thing, I guess it's a medical thing. It it's is. just weird. Yeah. It's I, it sort of becomes like it sort of becomes like that thing at Disneyland. Where you uh you grab the handles and then they start putting like low level voltage and it's a test to see how long you can hold on. <laughs> it's sort of like an aural version of that where you're like, you know, after a while you're just sort of like, oh, must change station can no longer bear awkwardness of pretending to tolerate voice. Bam, done. So. Oh, it's sad though. You know, yeah, he does have a, you know, it's it's a medical affliction and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's it it some days are better than others. Yeah, and it's just, of course he's got a co-host, Mike Papantonio, okay, who so. sounds fine. So you know, so it's not like he's got to carry the three hours himself. Hey, somebody wants me to ask you, were you, were you there or sort of in the building when the Tom Hartman show played our uh, Barack Obama song that we made? Do you even know what I'm talking about? I haven't heard that one, and we, you know, our studios are about three or four studios apart from each other. So, so you were not actually you didn't do you didn't uh, you did the voice work like sort of separately. Some, yeah, know. I was the you know I was the production guy. I All was right. you know, in the same building, but you know, a couple of studios away. All right. Well, remind me to play it for you later. There was uh, there was we as we were sort of leading up to the election. We don't really do like the parody songs or whatever typically, just because it's. You know, it's kind of a form of radio hackery we stay away from. The only form of radio hackery we stay away from. <laughs> but we decided to do a parody of a parody. We wanted to create a, a song that sounded like something that kind of a hack radio show would do. So we took the Pina Colada song, but we did this, if you like Barack Obama, and we offered, it, we, we made it, we recorded it. Sarah is one of the lovely voices on it, and we put it on the website. And we offered a prize to the first listener who could get another radio show to play it. And, of course, Tom Hartman was, in fact was, in fact, the first show uh, that played the song that we sort of created as a joke. But I do believe your voice is the thing that leads into it, because it was out of a stop set. Uh, and it was like, once again, Tom. I have it somewhere. I'll find the file. Okay. I've got it somewhere on my computer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Todd Tulsis with the news. Striped rabbits, bright pink millipedes laced with cyanide, and a spider bigger than a dinner plate are among a host of new species discovered in a remote wildlife hotspot. The greater Mekong is described as one of the last scientifically unexplored regions in the world, and it abounds in life seen nowhere else in the world. So little is known about the ecology of this region that previously unknown animals and plants have been turning up at a rate of two a week for a decade. At least over, uh, at least a thousand new species were identified in the greater Mekong from 97 to 2007, along with several thousand tiny invertebrates. I know. Yeah, uh, first, I'm thinking, first, define invertebrate. I have, is it something I can eat, or do or do I want to eat it? That's my thing. Like, no, really, no. See, I was just about to make that observation. That's my. If, if it can go on some sort of a grill, or if it can cure something, uh, you know, that's going to kill me eventually, then I care. Otherwise, 
there's certain here's the thing about science is they feel like every single uh, discovery is right up there with like no 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 and there's a face on Mars and sometimes finding a thing uh, that's uh, like the size of a pinpoint but is interesting because it has one heart instead of two is not necessarily compelling to the rest of us. Yeah, this is the Greater Mekong area, by the way. This is in Vietnam. People who are planning to go to Vietnam, sir, they want to put that on your itinerary. If you're going to be vacationing in, uh, if you're going to be vacationing in, uh, you know, like Cambodia or thereabouts anytime soon, yeah, you know, put I this mean, on your on your to-do list. A spider bigger than a dinner plate. Yeah, oh, you're uh, right on it. All right, you're uh, right told away. Uh, <laughs> this is this is from the. Aw Nuts Department. Um, it's likely what uh, Hope Wideup, Aw Nuts, is likely what Hope Wideup thought when her car's turn signal and windshield wipers wouldn't work. It's what she found later when she opened up the hood. There were thousands and thousands in there everywhere. Chipmunks found a way into her car, and which had been sitting idle for several weeks, apparently, and used the engine compartment as a storage depot for a trove of black walnuts. See, that's, it's not that strange to have animals in your car. Where is this at? <laughs> this is in Detroit. I'm sorry, it's in DeMott, uh, Indiana. All right. DeMott. So this is... Wait, but so her car wouldn't work because the engine was full of nuts? Yeah. All right, well, I'm strange Todd, my, my trunk is full of uh, mine. Rodents. Really? I have rodents living in My there. little car was full of hornet's nests. You know? Really? <laughs> yes. Wait, yeah. hold on. Let's okay. Let's stop. First of all, a so Sarah has a rat slash mouse slash I, I some other kind of mouse. Such a rat. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so she's got a, a mouse living in the trunk of one of her cars. She's got two cars, and I guess you're going to be unloading that one on some hapless high schooler. Yeah, seriously, I can't. Um, I don't even think I'm going to be able to sell that. So the other day I was. Oh, you can totally sell it. No, no, no. Just find some idiot teenager. No, They're no, everywhere. The other day I was walking by my Go car. Go to the mall. And I noticed that the uh, the overhead light was on, and right. so I couldn't get it to turn off. All the doors were shut and everything. So I had to bang on the roof. It finally went off, and then I went back into my house. Came out. One of the side door lights was open, and or wasn't open, but it was on. But the overhead light was off. So I kept trying to hit that one to right. get it to turn off, and it never turned off. And so I think my car's dead now because I couldn't figure out a way. Yeah, but you don't even. But that's uh, you just unscrew the light bulb. You just take that out of there. They don't even know about that. And that's like that's. You know, Sarah. Let me introduce you to a little phrase called caveat emptor. Let me tell you this. My first car, and anybody who uh, who knows me know this. I, I've told this story. I wouldn't lie about this. My first car had. It was a uh, it was a, an electric blue Ford Maverick, 1974, just a fantastic automobile. And above the wheel well, there's you know that little wheel well, which is the sort of like the domed out part above the wheel. There had been at one point, I think it had just rusted through. They just hadn't really taken care of that. They hadn't taken care of the 74 Maverick the way that you know you might think you would with a car of that provenance. So there was a hole that had rusted through the wheel well, and it was about the size of I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe like a little bit, a little bit, a little bit larger than, uh, you know, than a half dollar. And it was just, it, just a hole that was all the way through it. And what they had done, they literally had taken a piece of bubble gum and gone and stretched a piece of bubble gum over it and then gone with the spray paint and sprayed over the top of it, which I didn't really realize until I took the car to get fixed, you know, for something else. They got to get the tire fixed or something or other. And the guy said, uh, were you the one that took care of this wheel well business? And I said, uh, no, it was there when I got the car. Why? And he goes, uh, this is bubble gum right here. <laughs> and which is a phrase you're not really prepared to hear when he's pointing at some part of your car. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, it's, it's bubble gum. They've, uh, they've painted over bubble gum on the uh, wheel well of your car. You want me to leave that? Or are you attached to it? And I said, whatever. And he goes, Whatever. And then they just fixed it, and then I left. But literally, they had taken bubble gum, put it over the hole, spray painted over it with some color of blue that was a vague approximation of the car's actual color, sold me the car. Why? 
idiot high schooler, didn't care. And to hear the truth be known, they could have told me that. They could have said, look, uh, actually the entire car is held together with bubble gum. And there's a, kind of a rotting corpse uh, smell <laughs> anytime it gets above 60 well, that's degrees. that's kind of how my car smells, too, because of the odd bottle bottle that exploded. See, that's the thing. is, it would, I would have purchased it anyway. Why? Because I was about a month away from graduating driver's ed. Todd, you know what it's like. Oh, yeah. That driver's license is within sight. And it, as long as the car is not actually on fire... Most of the time, you'll buy it, you'll drive it, you'll love it because it is uh, because it is automotive freedom, which is a great part of being an American. <laughs> All right. Well, in any event, uh, here is uh, Todd Tulsis with the news. Uh, meet Brittany Phillips, uh, Rick. Uh, early Saturday morning, the 19-year-old Louisiana woman wanted to have sex with her boyfriend, but her boyfriend, Todd Stewart, he's 35 years old, apparently not in the mood. In fact, he tried to push her off him in the, be- in the bedroom uh, of her West Monroe home. That much they can all agree upon. This is according to the Wachita Parish Sheriff's Office reports. And then Phillips uh, claims that uh, Stewart, the, um, uh, the, uh, the young lady, became violent after re- rebuffing her advances. Stewart told an investigator that uh, he left the bedroom to sleep on the living room couch, but that Phillips would not leave him alone. And at some point, things got physical, and he was stabbed in the lower lip with a long metal object, which appeared to be a knife. I'm sorry. It just uh, it just sounds so ludicrous. Like, you know, hey, I like the idea. That why it wasn't in the news department. It, it, it appeared to be a knife, as though it really matters once your lower lip is being punctured. Secondly, your lower lip being punctured seems oddly specific in terms of area of attack. I, know. I mean, did she way other absurd places right through the earlobe. Why did you start there? Seriously, I mean, it, it, the webbing between your first and second toes on your left foot. The lower lip sounds like she was maybe aiming at something else, but then he shifted it just the wrong moment and right there, involuntary yeah. piercing. Also, the story is useless without pictures. Is there a picture of the woman scorned? <laughs> Not yet, it is. <laughs> Wait, let me see. Hold on. Let me look at this. Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I guess you'd be... Look at her. <laughs> I guess if you get her in a dim light, maybe, or something. That could have been taken off the wall at the post office already, though. No, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm guessing she didn't look so hot before the mugshot part of this. I, uh, that's, I mean, I can see, I can see maybe if, Uh... maybe if you've had a long day and you'd really rather just have a hot pocket and go to bed, if that, if that is trying to wake you up to, uh... She looks like she could maybe be okay if she's cleaned up with, like, a little makeup. I'm saying if she, if she's cleaned up and then... I don't know. She's kind of she's kind of got that porn star pretty thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like you expect to slather the right amount of uh, cosmetic like on her. Porn star eyes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. She just. I mean, you get like the uh, you get the mascara gun out. Use that on her. She might be. Okay. What's sad about the rest of the story here, though, is or I shouldn't say sad. Perhaps I should oh, say God, uh, ludicrous. And with and then they both died. Of no, 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 no. Okay, it's nothing that ridiculous. But uh, apparently, she acknowledged uh, to the deputy, to the sheriff, uh, that yeah, she struck Stewart, but it was done to protect herself. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's lip came out and started to attack her. You know, mercilessly, she had to, like, put a sharp object through the guy's lip. The, the, the lip injury, by the way, is right up there with the tongue injury in that you don't really expect it to happen. It's unbelievably painful. You can't eat anything, and then it takes forever to heal. So I remember biting nearly clean through my tongue when I was in, I think, second grade. And I couldn't eat anything. For, I mean, this is, everything just came through a straw for, like, nine weeks. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. More news on the other side with Todd Tolson. He can be reached at imagingvoice.com. Coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. The top five, live wire radio and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere.
the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It is Monday. Uh, coming up later on today, we have CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joining us, uh, as well as Courtney Hommeister and Kate Sokoloff from Livewire Radio. Uh, the top five from last Friday. Chris Paddock will be joining us for that. Uh, top five comeback albums of all time and so forth. Uh, so throughout the rest of the year, every day, the laid-off Tim Riley will be filled in for by laid-off Portland media professionals of every stripe. Today, Todd Tulsis. Uh, he can be reached at imagingvoice.com. You it are a... Like uh, badass, too. Is it? Did mm-hmm. you find the raisin sound? Oh. So what are we about to hear? This is this is you as uh, a rutabaga? Yeah, this is me as a Rudy Begaman, the uh, manager of the California Raisin. And which raisin special is this? Uh, which one is the one that I pulled, Jerry? Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think this is from the the first one, uh, Meet the Raisins. Wow. It was just, I think it was sort of a different time. Yes, this when is from Meet the Raisins. Anything could be spun into a Saturday morning cartoon series, three primetime specials, and a line of plush toys. All right, so this is uh, starring Todd Tulsis as the rutabaga. It's not playing. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. It was there moments ago. I know we heard it. Well, that's excellent. There's the lightning fast CBS uh, internet connection. All right. Well, we'll come back to that, ladies and germs. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, with the news, Todd Tulsa. It's today's Bush Watch, Rick Emerson. Here's your Bush Watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. He's the president, resident, he's kind of in charge. He's got the whole country saying, that's my Bush. Life is hard, that's the price of fame. When you're president, everyone knows your name. Hey, what's that there? It's my Bush. I can't believe he's actually in the White House. That's our man. Ladies and gentlemen, with your Bush Watch from Monday, Todd Tulsa. You've seen it on television now, hear it on the radio. President George W. Bush ducked a pair of shoes thrown at him by a man during a press conference in the Iraqi Prime Minister's office to mark the signing of a new security agreement. Bush wasn't hit by the shoes, which both sailed over his head, and uh, they were thrown by uh, one after the other. The president shrugged and said, uh, I'm okay, I'm okay. It was just a size 10. Uh, all I can report is that, um, <laughs> yeah, so Bush said, yeah, it's just a size 10. Uh, in Arab cultures, you may know, throwing shoes is a grave show of disrespect. As you opposed to here where you try to do it all the time. Right. Staff meetings, you know, whatever. So this is, it was one of those things that I woke up, this was yesterday morning that yeah. this story broke. Because the yeah. whole weekend was like one big weird blur of like, I don't know, of like, the cross-dressing and 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 near white not death. You so uh, not me. Yes, one big <laughs> cross-dressing for me. Uh, but anyway, between Saturday's weirdness and greatness with Richie, and then of course yesterday and the weather and the whatever. Um, but it was yesterday that I woke up to a couple of things: a, a bunch of voicemails about the snow, and b, a whole bunch of people saying, "Oh my God, have you seen that guy throwing his shoes at George W. Bush?" <laughs> Which really is fantastic. It's just one of the best things I've ever seen. Not I thought that... the second shoe nailed him. It looked like it hit him no, in the head. No, no. We would have heard about that. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm not, by the way, advocating, condoning, promoting, endorsing, encouraging that anybody disrespect uh, our you know, elected officials of whatever uh, whatever stripe, nor am I suggesting that you throw a blunt objects at them. But I'm just saying if it had to happen, this is the right way for it to happen because it was... I mean, it was almost like it was almost like a weird reverse Khrushchev kind of a thing, yeah. you know. I mean, sort of instead of banging the shoe, I'm actually getting the shoe as far away from me as possible. And the, the snapshot, as he always does, Drudge had like just just the best little screen capture, and it was like in mid throw, 
and it's from the audience perspective. So you see the guy's arm still extended like, uh, you know, like Sandy Koufax, like, wah. And the shoe is just kind of this vague brown blur. And you see Bush kind of going down as though he's doing the twist, you know, kind of a down to the like he like he was it was like he was all in bullet time and whatnot, uh, like he was gonna be like he was standing next to Trinity dodging bullets on a rooftop. It was just one of those things you don't really ever expect to uh, to see, you know, the president like having to having to pull out the Matrix move to dodge a size ten. Oh, the show the shoe throw was amazingly accurate. I mean, both of them were right. In and his here's head. my whole thing: is the guy must have had like he must have thought it through in advance, right? Sure. Like. I don't. I mean, I mean, let's honestly ask these questions. Were they, were they loafers? Did they have laces? I was think it they a boot? Laces. So did he walk in with the shoes already unlaced? I don't know. Did he walk in and then unlace the shoes? Did he, in fact, have a separate pair of shoes he was actually wearing, and these were just his throwing shoes? <laughs> I mean, I would, I would like to sort of know how this worked, especially because didn't he throw both of them? Both of them. I mean, he threw one and then the other. So my whole thing is. Like, did he have one in each hand? Did, did be, is that a sort of thing that he started to do and people observed it and didn't say anything about it? I mean, I want to see, like, a, like a high-speed, high-film, slow-motion playback of the whole event front to back, just so I can see. Right, the other journalists probably looked at this guy and said, oh, poor guy, shoes must be hurting his feet. I just, there's something, there's something fascinating about the idea. It's the guy throwing shoes at Bush at a press conference is, to me, sort of like... And this happens at some of our finer drinking establishments in Portland. It's sort of like when you go into the bathroom and there's the graffiti everywhere. I'm not just talking about like a little bit. I'm talking about where every single inch is covered with scatological scrawlings of every variety. Right. And as I often wonder, like, like, who thinks ahead that far to even have a pen with you? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've been in places where I really do need a pen and I don't have one. I mean, except for radio station engineers who carry a pocket full of pens. Right, but I mean, but I'm suspecting the guys who scroll pictures of large phalluses on bathroom walls are not really of the engineering caliber, like mentally speaking. So it's like, what, are these guys who just carry Sharpies around with them all the time in case they see a blank wall a that blank needs wall. to facing? Do they sometimes take a pen with them and then sometimes not, depending on what bar they're going to? I mean, depending on the rest, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I might want to draw like a huge pair of boobs and then uh, the phone number of a girl who rejected me in high school. But I don't know. I mean, maybe not. They might They might have tile there instead, which means I won't be able to write on it. Maybe I'll take a red Sharpie and a black Sharpie just in case. So depending on what the background is, I've got the perfect writing implement. All right. Well, what if the back? Well, what if the background is like a like a dark reddish black? Maybe I'll take. Maybe I'll take some, like a white pen. Well, they don't make white pens. Maybe I'll take liquid paper with me. <laughs> Just in case. Because, I mean, it's not all one guy doing it. I mean, it's like hundreds of dudes, and it is all dudes, because I don't think they do it in the women's restroom. Oh, they do indeed. Really? Uh-huh. One of, the, one of my favorite drinking establishments is just covered, but it's all, you know, just like... Girls saying mean things about other girls. You know, it's just like high school. Sarah's a whore. <laughs> so it's a, but it's so it's just you know it, it's people thinking that far ahead to take the pen with them, which is my thing with the guy in the shoes. Well, clearly this guy had to he had to have some plan. I knew he wasn't going to be able to throw the shoes and then just sit back down in his seat and wait for a response from the president. You know, we do have the audio by the way. Oh really? Do of the, of the actual throw? Yeah. Oh fantastic. Yeah. And we do have the translation of what the guy was saying when he threw the shoes. Uh, let's do the audio first, yeah. then the translation. His computer up over there? Mm -hmm. No, right, let's do the audio, then the translation. This is the audio yeah. of the guy throwing the shoes at George Bush. Here you go. That's one and then that's two. That's it. You heard okay. both shoes. All right, let's play that back again. I think you can hear the first shoe, then the second. Yeah. 
then I'm fairly certain the next thing is the sound of him being put on the ground and beaten savagely by Secret Service. Yeah, uh, and then apparently Maliki tried to block the second one coming through. You know, he tried to do you know you know like a, like an in the line of fire yeah, kind of a thing. Yeah, or a, you know a, a, you know a defensive re, you know a, a re, <laughs> guy who covers the receiver downfield. You know, he, he blocked the football coming in. You know, I'm picturing the whole. I'm just picturing it's like a like a Clint Eastwood John Malkovich kind of a thing of no. And then right in front of the shoe as it's sailing right towards Bush's head. Oh, man. All right, let's play this audio again. You'll hear, I think, shoe number one, shoe number two, uh, then the tussling with the Secret Service. Here you go. One. Two. See, right there. All right. You well, you know, hey, it beats the cream pie. And it doesn't, you know, listening to that, it, you know, obviously what the man was saying doesn't mean much to us unless we speak Iraqi, but uh, the exact translation was, this is the farewell kiss, you dog, the man shouted in Arabic. And then, as he's being, you know, savagely beaten by the, um, <laughs> by the uh, security team, uh, this is from the widows, the orphans, and those who were killed in Iraq, shouted the man, uh, who was identified by the Associated Press as... They wanted you to have my shoes. <laughs> Identified by the AP as Muntadar al-Zaidi, a correspondent for al-Baghdadia Television, an Iraq-owned uh, TV station based in Cairo. That's gonna guy who's, uh, that guy's going to vanish into a deep hole and never be heard you know, from He's going to have his press credentials yeah, revoked. That's, and also his <laughs> spine. Uh, he's not going to uh, get on the press bus this time through. You are listening to KCMD Portland, a proud part of the CBS radio family, filling in for the laid-off Tim Riley, the laid-off Todd Tolson with the news. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. An ex-employer, I'm sorry, an ex-employee allegedly shot and killed his boss at a Vancouver office holiday oh, party our, yesterday. Did is, you, this our, is this our joy of Christmas? Yeah, this is. I'm sorry. I should Okay. I'm sorry. I needed to uh, give you the heads up on that. This is our joy of Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, here is your joy of Christmas for Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. We With your joy of Christmas, here is Todd Tulsus. We should probably say this is Vancouver, British Columbia, not Vancouver, Washington. Not Vancouver, Washington. Yeah, Vancouver has its own problems. Uh, an ex-employee allegedly shot and killed his boss at a Vancouver office holiday party yesterday before surrendering to the police. Just after 4 p.m., a man walked into the party at Tallgrass Distribution Limited, a healthcare products distributor uh, located um, in Vancouver, B.C. Uh, the man had been an employee, was recently let go, and it was basically wandering on the top floor, shot a man inside the building, and um, he's not getting anything for Christmas this year. You would, he's getting five to ten, Todd. <laughs> um, it, you know, and of course, it's a horrible story. You know, obviously, you know, tragic loss of life. I will say that because I'm just so media saturated. Every time we have a story like this, though, I do just picture whoever the employee in question is looking exactly like Bobcat Goldthwait. And just like, you know, which is like his round glasses and his slick hair going, oh, I came here with a gun. So, all right. That is a uh, story. We have, what, two of these or I three? I think there are three of them. Are there three of them? Yeah. We'll do all three. Story yeah. the first. Here is uh, Joy of Christmas, part two. Weekend edition, the Saturday, let's see. This is a new, techno uh, new technological innovation in holiday displays. The AP reports this weekend a number of churches and synagogues are installing global positioning system chips inside nativity scenes and, and menorahs so they can be quickly located if they are stolen. Apparently a fair number of purloined baby Jesuses and donkeys and misappropriated, baby Jesus. <laughs> donkeys, misappropriated menorahs uh, make it onto, onto the police blotter every year. Already a baby Jesus was stolen from the First United Methodist Church in Pennsylvania, replaced with a pumpkin. That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Why would you replace it with anything? And if you were, why would you swap it out with a pumpkin? It's not like the two things are interchangeable. Well, look, I, uh, 
I have your Savior of all mankind, the Prince of Peace, uh, the Son of God, Yahweh, Jehovah. But here's a gourd. And then they just, like, put it into the uh, into the manger. Look at the perp's point of view. I'm really going to be in trouble if I steal the baby Jesus. And is not this sort something. of like, wait, hold on. Is this sort of like in Raiders of the Lost Ark where he's stealing the idol right. at the beginning, but then he has the bag of sand? Exactly. It weighs exactly the same thing. You sort of, <laughs> you sort of, you picture him sort of sitting there going, I don't know. And he's got, like in my head, no, 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 I can see the whole thing. In my head, he's standing there and he's kneeling down in front of the manger. And with one hand, he is grabbing the baby Jesus. And the other hand, he's got like, you know, he's got like a kumquat. And then he says, no, 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 it's too heavy. An acorn squash. Not heavy enough. Pumpkin, yes. And then he Perfect. does the whole thing, and then and then he just and then he runs. So there's that. This also uh, reminds me of uh, that. I, what I believe is the highest rated episode of Dragnet ever, which is the episode of Dragnet where where like Joe Friday is called in on Christmas Eve because the baby Jesus has been stolen from some church in Los Angeles, and there's this whole like this whole episode. You know, let me tell you something, Mister. Nobody steals a baby Jesus, not in my town. And then at the end, it's like a five year old boy. It's like this heartwarming ending. Where at the end, the five-year-old boy stole the baby Jesus because Jesus looked so sad because he didn't have any toys. And so he took the baby Jesus, like, back to his house to, like, play with his Lincoln Logs or whatever and then brought him back to the church. And then Joe Friday learns that sometimes people are good inside even when you only see the bad. My third thought is this. First of all, inside this third thought, I have two thoughts. Oh, God. So, 3A. I think the stealing of menorahs is some sort of a ramp up because you never, re or maybe we're just becoming more inclusive in our reporting because you don't really ever hear about stolen menorahs. It is typically just nativity things. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's, I mean, maybe it means that even criminals are learning to embrace other cultures. I, you know, I mean, if look, if you want to try to make a have out of this have not, maybe the, uh, Maybe the glass of Manischewitz is half full in this case. <laughs> just be that they are. That they, I'm just saying that they, you know that they are no longer uh, they are no longer excluding Judaism in their head in terms of like what shall we do tonight? Three uh, B would be this thought. So they're using a GPS to track down the stolen Christmas right. things. Now, now here's what I don't understand about that. And don't take this the wrong way when I say I wish Tim was here for this because Tim just bought a brand new GPS and he's all very excited about it. And I have one. You. Do not, though, I do, do you? not have one. Todd Tulsa's GPS? I don't have one. It's like the best thing you'll ever own. you got to buy one. So, but the weird thing about it is, is that on the GPS, I have a TomTom, -Tom, uh, which I love. Not a, not a plug or an endorsement. It's just a great product. But it actually says in big letters in the handbook, this GPS cannot be used to track you. And so, like, I don't even understand how that works. Like, if the GPS, of course it could be used to track you. Like, how is that... How could it not be used to track you? That's the whole point, right? Like, it, it, it tells you where you are. Yes, but it doesn't tell anybody else where you are. But it, but doesn't it? Doesn't it tell satellites or something where I am? Like, it has to. Otherwise, it has how, to have a base, right? Otherwise, how would this satellite know where I am? Satellite knows where the, uh, where the actual item is, where the actual unit is. Right. But it but doesn't I mean, tell anybody else. So it doesn't. That's what it's saying. So there's no way to, to check a satellite to see where my car is based on my GPS? That's what it's saying. That's what they're claiming anyway. Well, you have a handheld model, right? Or no, no, no it's, it's handheld. It doesn't go to the car. It's, it, yeah, it, I can okay, take so it with me wherever I saying. go. We can't track you with this handheld device. Now, we're not talking about built-ins in your car here. That could be something else. So if I have a standalone GPS, so it'll get me where I need to go, and the satellite knows where I am, but like the company or whoever can't via the satellite track me. All right, but they can track baby Jesus, apparently. That's right. Apparently, NORAD is busy tracking Santa Claus every like Christmas on a, Eve. Like on a huge... That's, 
That's what they now have a separate screen where it's just nothing but vanished wise men and menorahs. Uh, they're, they're attempting to, uh, apparently there's a brisk business. I want, somebody ought to at least though take it to the next comedic level and do that thing with the stolen baby Jesus like they do with the garden gnomes, where it's like, you know, here's Jesus in the jungles of Bolivia. Here's Jesus in front of the Eiffel Tower. Here's Jesus at a pastry stand in Manhattan. And that would be closer, you know, than a, than leaving a gourd in exchange for the baby Jesus. So if leaving you put, the pumpkin If you put thing. the garden gnomes in exchange for, like, the three wise men, that's closer. Leaving the pumpkin doesn't even make any sense. It's just weird. All right, is that the uh, last one? We have one more. I think, right. the, you know, just, just be good, for goodness sake. Unknown perpetrators have cut off the tops of some 2,400 Christmas trees and sprayed them with diesel fuel in the town of Camp Lindfort in Germany. The Christmas business is ruined, said Angert Teesdurden, uh, told the paper their spruce tree stand on, on Sunday. It's just been ruined. This retiree had some 3,000 trees, the majority of which are no longer suitable for sale. The paper speculates that the Grinch-like crime was committed by what it calls the Christmas tree mafia. Because of the stiff competition between tree sellers That's a made up story. in the area. There's it, no Christmas tree mafia. It was an act of revenge, she said, of the damaged spruce and Nordman fir trees. Who would buy a tree without a top that stinks like oil? <laughs> well, I guess that is a fair point. All right, we'll uh, get some calls here in just a uh, just a moment as we really the Germans. Is there nothing that they can't make horrible and evil? <laughs> I mean, really, there's, there's no aspect of the human existence that Germans can't make violent and corrupt somehow. Well done, Hans. Uh, there's the, your joy of Christmas for Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Well, I get some calls here in a moment. Apparently, Dana Perino, who is the White, Hot, uh, White House press secretary, got a black eye. This can't be real. Really? She got a black eye from yeah. trying to jump in during the shoe scuffle? Yeah. Well, that's kind of sexy. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, oh, here we go. So I guess, so somebody says there were two shoe throwers now. The email says there were actually two different guys. Um, somebody says it almost looks like, I think, he's, I, think, I think he may be screwing with me here, though. So somebody is claiming that there was like an accomplice, but I think this I think this may be a bit of a joke. I think it is just the one guy. It's like the shoe thrower from the grassy knoll. Totally. No, no, no. You can clearly see a puff of smoke from behind the podium. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Greetings. Hello. Hey. Me? Yes. Hello, sir. Uh, yeah, I had a comment about the GPS unit. You're ask, you're wondering why you can't be tracked. Your GPS unit is receiving a signal. It's not sending one. So that's why they can't track you. Wait, so it's receiving a signal from the satellite. Right. There's several satellites in orbit, and you're receiving signals from all of them. You're not ah, sending one out. All right. Now, that does make a lot of sense. Because now that I think about it, I mean, I guess I could have puzzled this, this out myself if really I've been given, uh, you know, I don't know, eight or nine years to sit in a dark room and think about it. Because I guess a satellite for that signal, now that I, this is one of those things that the more I ponder it, the dumber I feel almost instantly, and I appreciate everybody, like, buckling down and trying to uh, tolerate my rampant stupidity on this front, because I guess for the satellite signal to get from outer space to here, it's got to be, like, the size of a house and have a nuclear generator. I guess it's unreasonable uh, to think that my GPS inside my Ford would be able to get back into outer space with just, like, two D-cell batteries. Okay, exactly. you're right, that's dumb. Let's forget that I had that whole, uh, the whole incident just now. Right on. Well, best show ever. Thank you, sir. All right. Yeah, let's move on. Wow. Are we, Sarah, are you indicating that we should break? 
Probably. I'm just saying to stay on task. All right. We have more guests and everything coming. Let's take a break here. We'll come uh, come back. We've got uh, more from Lisa Desjardins, or uh, more from CNN. We've got CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins coming up. Uh, We've got more news. Top five. The folks from Livewire Radio are going to join us. And other whimsicalities. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. In the rain. But before I could get to the station and the pickup. Why, hello, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I've already seen some photos of uh, last Saturday's extravaganza. Where did you see that photo? There's a couple good photos of you and I on stage, actually. There's Because uh, Tim invited uh, Tim uh, Riley was hosting Saturday's drag extravaganza starring uh, Richie Bristol. And at a certain point invited uh, you and I. Um, that was nice to all three be on stage again together. It really was. And uh, Byron took photos. And I touched photos. him too many times, but I don't care. Tim? Him. Yep. Yeah, I, I, hugged him. Him. I hugged him a million times, and I kept touching him. And he's just like, I can tell he's starting to get uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't care. I, I do not care if I make him feel awkward because I miss him. I, uh, I gave him a firm uh, handshake. And I said, well done, Tim. And then we... Uh, you know, we, we shook hands as men. By the way, the, the highlight of the evening, though, really had to be uh, afterward when I was out. Uh, I was out to head in my car, and, and um, Laura and I got really we were talking to Tim, and there was a list, listener down the street who was, I think, had had uh, many, 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 and it was a whole lot of like, "Hey, Tim and Rick, and the night's still young. Let's go get some hookers." <laughs> and Tim and I just sort of went. And so anyway, I'm going to go to my car. How about you, Tim? Yes, I'm going to my car right now. I do not wish to go get hookers. So, oh, my God. I'm looking at your website right but now. But, I mean, thanks anyway. I, I appreciate it. The hookers aren't cheap, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at your website, and that picture of your tree with your dogs is the most hilarious thing yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, if you go to rickemerson.com, you can see uh, I spent uh, oh, about... The lamp sh- that fellow looks so sad. Well, because he had minor surgery. Neutered. Uh, and it, so we had to put the lampshade on him to, you know, to keep him from, you know, because he'd be like... Because he also did, they did that thing where they shaved part of his leg to give him the intravenous or whatever. Oh. And yeah. he'll just sit and he'll chew on it, whatever. So he's got to have the lampshade on till Wednesday. But it's, so I spent like two and a half hours decorating my Christmas tree and just like an, like an anal retentive freak, go figure, just adjusting every single light, every bulb, every strand of tinsel, every, you know, every ball, every little carved wooden sled, everything. And then, of course, once the tree was done, what better way to commemorate the tree decorating than to put my dogs in front of it like a retard and then to take their photos? And, it, you know, taking, I don't know, probably 35 photos just so I could get that one with, uh, you know. And Philo does have the, and the lampshade on his head. And Laura was sort of like, well, you should take it off just for the photo. And I said, baby, the photos are, they're a snapshot of time. So this is, uh, you know, and, and right now, he, it does give him kind of a quasi-religious look, though. Like, if you check out the photograph, he almost does have, like, the, the sort of sainty the halo thing going on. This is the Elizabethan collar that they have to wear. See, but they call it that, but it really is just a lampshade. I mean, that's, if you say an Elizabethan collar, nobody knows what you're talking about. If you say my dog has got a lampshade on his head, everybody knows what you're talking about. I got you. So, but it does, but if you look in that photo... Because it's opaque or whatever that is, it's sort of see-through but not yeah, quite. Yeah. It does give him this weird kind of circular sort of glow around his head. So he's kind of like a four-legged furry Jesus. 
<laughs> or a pumpkin. Or a Jedi master there or you something. Go. Uh, let's see. Uh, about the proper use of Todd uh, and his vocal talents. Rick, with his voice work talents, I can think of no better use for Todd Tulsa's voice vocal talents than to have him end every news story with, in club sauce. <gasps> yes! If this is not possible, please to be having Todd say, Steve Holt is a ba- Say this. Say, Steve Holt is a bastard. Steve Holt is a bastard. Well, all right. So, have you ever done movie trailers? Um, no. Have you but, never done the, like, a, but, a, in an outpost on the know, edge of space? But this is, you know, I'd be like, uh, you know, me trying to do movie trailers would be, you know, like some little puppy trying to be, you know, no, you know try to get the, 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 the steak away from the Great no, Dane no, no, no. Or, the, or the Rottweiler, you is know? It, now, wait, do you mean in terms of, you got the voice for it, you mean it's just such a closed industry? It's a very competitive industry. Okay, and I'm not saying I don't have a good voice or that I couldn't do this, but I'm saying that there are guys who've been doing this for a long time. And you probably know we just lost one of the great ones. Don LaFontaine. Don LaFontaine. But do you feel like now you step up one in line? No, I don't. Like you're at the card table in the garage, <laughs> but like somebody at the, ta- somebody at the dining room just died, and you're yeah. like, oh, maybe I can sit up there near the food now. Oh, gosh. You know, I mean, Don LaFontaine was, you know, one of the greatest of the greats. And when it came to movie trailers, he'd a man. Okay, but... You gotta. It's such a. That was the whitest thing I've ever heard in my life, by the way, just now. I mean, no offense. Yeah. But, you know, there are many, many people who do this, and only the chosen few really get to do the big name movies, you know, with the big budgets behind them. And, uh, you know, it's it's a market I haven't cracked yet, but it doesn't mean I won't. What is your dream voice project? Uh, probably more animation. You know, really? I love Just because you can work in your boxer shorts or whatever? Well, I, you know, boxer shorts, not anymore. Gosh, if it's not Entertainment Tonight or, or the E! Channel coming by with, with cameras and, and reporters, it was sticking a microphone in your face in between takes. You have to dress up now. I mean, it's got to be weird to be a, a guy who's trying to do, especially work in animation, because there was a time when they recruited... You know, real serious, talented voice actors, the Billy Wests of the world. Yeah. But, I mean, now it's like, no, 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 get Will Smith, and exactly. uh, we'll make him, uh, he'll be a Cocker Spaniel. Yeah. You know, or whatever. And and I'm I'm really, I I have mixed feelings about that, uh, because you're right, there are some tremendous character voices You don't have mixed feelings here, Todd. You can just be full of hate. Okay. <laughs> That's what we do. There are some tremendous voice actors, character voice actors out there who are being maybe uh, shoved to the curb in, you know, in, in instead of... Hiring a big name guy right. to do, you know, cars okay. or to do the next Pixar uh, blockbuster. I got an idea. Now, there's a little idea. Now, Sarah uh, and I have worked together for a long time. She'll tell you that this sort of thing happens. Uh, you what know. your genius idea? Yes, my genius yes. idea. That happens really with so such rapidity that I can't even keep track of all my great inspirations, much less execute them or you know make hay out of them. This is an idea I'm giving to you, Todd Tulsa, okay. voice man extraordinaire. Yeah. Somebody needs to do an animated. Uh, movie or series about, wait for it, animation voiceover guys <laughs> trying to get work or trying to put together, uh, trying to get a movie made. Oh, this is, no, 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 this is a great idea. And now that I think about it, this could be one of those, um, who's the company that did uh, uh, Shrek? It was DG DreamWorks, oh, whatever, DreamWorks, but it's yeah. the David Geffen, Steven Spielberg thing. Okay, because Pixar's really got the family market kind of carved out. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to take your, uh, your kids to see something, I mean, the movies that are really... I'm not going to say they're harmless, but I mean they're very family friendly, very traditional movies, very much for the you know for mom and dad and the kids. They just happen to be this really stunning kind of anima- animation. Don't get me wrong, I love Pixar movies, but the DreamWorks movies and that kind of—they're sort of they're trying to be a little a little edgier because they're trying to set themselves apart from Disney and Pixar. So this would—and here's the other reason this is a great idea: 
because all those DreamWorks movies, like specifically the Shrek movies, are full of pop culture references. Like way more than Pixar films, because the Pixar films are sort of timeless. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you see like Shrek 2 and it's like, you know, like a donkey dancing around to Who Let the Dogs Out or something. Also, <laughs> uh, those movies are much more uh, self-referential. They're kind of meta. So this would be, this is a great idea where DreamWorks does a CGI uh, film about voice actors who can't get work because all the roles are being filled by celebrities. Right. And then, but see, but then you get the best of both, best of both worlds. You have that plot, but then you could actually cast celebrities in the movies as themselves. Where it's like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow, who's been uh, brought in to play a sunflower that learns how to love. Right. You know, and then there's endless uh, hilarious sequences of Gwyneth Paltrow looking in the mirror and trying to imagine, you know, trying to imagine what a sunflower sounds like. And then meanwhile, like you and Billy West, you know, are sitting there in like your one-room apartment uh, eating week-old pizza and trying not to be evicted. <laughs> It's hilarious. You know that's a good idea. I like it. All right. I like it I'm a lot. You right I, now. I think this is life imitating art, though. I want I want points on I want points on the gross, not the net. You'll get gross. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, let's do this. Let's get uh, one call here, and then we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Then more news with the late-off Todd Tulsis. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir and Adam, as the case may be. Thank you for being live today. I really appreciate it. As opposed to... Oh, yeah. because of the snow? Yeah, because... Well, I'm I, I'm a school teacher, so I don't call in sick to work. Work calls in sick to me. Oh, is our schools closed today? Yeah. Yep. Really? Yeah. It's raising a generation of soft ass children. Did you see on FARC today? One of the stories is Portland, Oregon, shuts down after two inches of snow. Man, it's just it's embarrassing. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm an old. I mean, I'm a fifth generation Oregonian, and I get embarrassed by this myself because it's just. But we have to. You also have to keep in mind. Portland is not populated by native Oregonians. Portland is populated by transplants. And so when you when you um, talk about like oh this jerky driver these people don't know how to drive I mean maybe one in five is an actual like hardcore Oregonian you know what I'm saying I suppose but I but I mean I mean I have to tell you just the number of people this is actually why I turned around and came home yesterday because I was on my way to work yesterday Sunday afternoon. And, you know, it's a little slick, and you have to, you know, your stopping distance is increased or whatever, and you have to start breaking way before you get to the end of the intersection. But this is all stuff, presumably, that we should know because we took driver's ed, and also, you know, we're not idiots. So it had nothing to do with the weather. It was just that every single person around me on the road was driving as though they had just had some sort of frontal lobotomy, like Rose Kennedy style. I mean, it was just the worst... And that was that was what made the decision for me. I'm like, F this. Like, I am surrounded by incompetent boobs. Uh, I'm going to get home before one of them kills me. So. Absolutely. So we're here, sir, because it's what we do. Rick Emerson cares. Well, when, when I get these days off and I'm listen, I'm able to listen to your right. whole show, I'm really thankful. So All thanks right. for being there. Excellent. All right. I have, I have a high concept topic for you. Okay. The other day I was watching a rerun of the Mary Tyler Moore show, and I, it occurred to me that Mary Tyler Moore is absolutely standout gorgeous in her early days. You know, right? But she stirs nothing physical inside me, and I, as a as a concept, would be like the hottest women or men who are like hot on paper, but actually do nothing for you other than that. Do you do you follow me on that? Yeah. So the hottest, uh, so it'd be like the hottest people that don't turn you on or something. Yeah, yeah. Or, or in general, mm -hmm. I, and I wonder if there was a general consensus on that. Like, you know, yeah, but maybe this might just be you, sir. You getting enough vitamin D? <laughs> No, I, I anyway. All right. Well, well, I, we'll we'll look at it. We'll take it back to the lab and work on it. Okay. Hey, I got a question. I, for we, you. we got like five seconds. Oh, okay. Here. Have a great day then. All right. Thank Bye. you. And we're done. That was easy. Welcome down to the show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. 
Hey, that was a fine, that was a fine hard wrap up there to the caller. Well, seriously, I, I mean, we love the but callers and the audience, but I could very, I, I saw them becoming a Pee Wee Herman exhibit Q. <laughs> <laughs> a scale model of the mall at the time the bike was stolen, you know, and, and then I have to be Chuck from uh, Chuck's Bikerama going, Pee Wee, we've been here for 12 hours now. <laughs> but I think you never, you know, being watching more C-SPAN than uh, probably I should, you never, you know, call her, we've got to call her, wrap it up, you know, and they, they never really do, and that was actually a lot. Okay, no, bye. you know what, this audience, I have to tell you, they're a cut above, Lisa. I think uh, so. In every regard, in terms of intelligence, education, <laughs> income, our audience, they're really the top tier, and when I say yeah. wrap it up, they know to wrap it up. <laughs> All right, how's life? How are things? Good, man, I wish we had snow on the ground here. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, Washington goes into utter panic. I mean, we have looting. I, snow I, I was just going to say, if only to, you get snow, if only to cover the bullet casings on the ground. You know? <laughs> yeah, more or less. I guess. Um, well, you guys get, but you guys get the, the hard, socked-in winter, right? Like when winter comes for you, it comes, it comes for real. We've only got, yeah, we've really got one or two kinds. Last winter, we had almost no snow, but then, but then we do. Sometimes we'll get the, you know, one foot. Every every now and then and it is panic, but more more often we get the two inches. Is the story about a baby Jesus that was uh, stolen somewhere and then they they swapped it out with a pumpkin? You got me on that. that hey Todd, was where was that story from? I, I. Uh, we'll find it. We had a story here because of course every year there's the whole rash of baby Jesus stealings. Yep. I mean, you think it'll they'd change it up at some point and steal the camel or something, or maybe just like the like the guy with the frankincense. That would be bad. And you feel like you could do a lot more with those guys. The baby. Uh... Where was this at, Todd? This was um, Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, where life is cheap. Catanning, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, so they, so somebody stole a baby Jesus. Yeah, underground coal fires. Yeah. But they then left what? They left. They left a pumpkin. So there you go. So they took hey, Jesus, hey. left a pumpkin in the manger. Well, you know we've got the you know Mexican Playboy controversy with the. Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, apparently the the current issue of the Mexican Playboy. Uh, oh right, what yeah, is the Virgin Mary ish? A uh, woman on the front. Virgin Mary-ish. <laughs> is she is is she more virgin-ish or Mary-ish? I don't I don't know her well enough to say. <laughs> um, I think I read something about that, but I was I didn't realize it was that it was a that a Mexican version of Playboy because you get versions of Playboy for all countries around the world. Um, you would think that I mean uh, the Latin culture is very Mary-centric uh, because there's a there is this sort of. Um, I mean, I don't wish to speak for the Mexican community, but it, it seems like there's a lot of um, focus and iconography regarding Mary because and I asked a friend of mine um, what that was about one time, and she said that it was you know, this whole notion that Mary can sort of intercede on your behalf with the Almighty because she is maternal and so forth. Well, um, she's in with them. I mean, she did the water and the wine. Yeah. Did that happen? And so, but I wasn't I wasn't aware that she was also hard up for paying the rent and needed to be uh, taking it off for Playboy. <laughs> it's a Playboy, right? Apparently, the Playboy says, "No, we we know there's stained glass. We know it's a you know dark hair. What is that noise? I have no idea. There's something happening in the background. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, the Playboy is insisting that it has nothing to do with with. Uh, I'm sure it's a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, in any event, I think I might have asked you about this last week, but I honestly can't remember sometimes what things happen in my head and what things sort of make it all the way to my my mouth and then out again. But this business of how the 15 billion dollars. Here's what I want to know. So the bailout fails. We're not going to be given 12 or 15 or any billions of dollars to the auto auto industry, at least directly. But then the Bush administration says, well, it's crucial that you pass it, but not that crucial because we're just going to give it to them out of this $700 billion we'd already set aside. So right. my question is, A, 
does that mean we really didn't need 700? Like, if you got 15 billion out of that 700, you can just be giving away to somebody else. Uh, does that mean we didn't need that 700 billion dollar bailout in the first place? You mathlete, you. Um, we don't know yet. The 700 billion was really a hedge, sort of uh, the Treasury saying we want we want wide power in case this thing goes. Uh, titanically south really fast. We want to be able to throw in a lot of money if we need. And, and you know, the Treasury kept saying, we don't think we're going to need any of this money. We think it's just the, the idea that we have this nuclear power that will deter all these forces and will keep everybody uh, doing well. And, of course, they have now used about $335 billion of that money, and, and they've needed at least that. And, and, and I think the reason, one of the main reasons that the Treasury didn't want to bring in the car industry is because they don't have any money left in the first half, that first 350 And after that, as you're saying, uh, they've got to ask for permission, essentially, from Congress. i got, like, 15 other questions here, but uh, the first one is, are any of these companies, because somebody told me something that I, it didn't seem like it could possibly be true. Somebody told me that Chrysler was, in fact, a publicly held or a privately held company. That's correct. Okay, so am I to understand... Just last year it was bought, yeah. Am I to understand that a, a Chrysler, a company in which I cannot buy stock, is actually wanting my money to stay afloat? That's correct. So then that strike people is, oh, I, I don't know, a little bit grabby on their behalf? I mean, these are all... We could probably fill an entire show with questions that I wish Congress had asked the auto industry, and that would be one of them right there. If I can't buy shares of Chrysler stock, what business do they have going through the government into my back pocket to take, uh, you know, like 50 bucks out of my wallet? Well, you know, actually, I have to give Congress not total props, but Congress did... A few congressmen did ask about this during the hearings that we had in the last couple of weeks. The parent company of Chrysler is a company called... Cerberus Capital Management, of course, spelled with a C, just to be cute. Cerberus, the three-headed dog that guards the entrance to hell. No, I don't. Is you no Cerberus? Oh, very right. similar. You can see where I'd make the mistake. I totally exactly no, but no C E R B E R U S. I'm sure if you rearrange the letters, it will lead you to I'm Mary sure it's, a, sure it's an unintentional coincidence. Right, exactly. So, uh, but Cerberus does and owns Chrysler, bought Chrysler last year. Um, and apparently does have billions of dollars in its own equity uh, that it could use potent- potentially to save Chrysler. And there was a pounding on, on that line by a couple of congressmen. So what, you guys are owned by someone else that has a whole bunch of money, and you're not going to use that money? And Chrysler never, to my way of uh, listening, never gave a good answer on that, and maybe because it's their parent company. The parent company um, says that that all of that, that basically that they're leveraged out that they need all the money they've got right now to kind of hold on to what they've got in other areas uh and that they have they have truly invested quite a lot in Chrysler essentially they re- probably realizing now that it's going quickly down the drain maybe and I don't we don't know their financials um but it is a tricky question and the head of Cerberus was here uh, when the bailout talks collapsed he was here in the halls of Congress which was a late announcement very rare for the head of such a huge uh, corporation uh, to be part of talks like that, but they were here, and we don't know exactly what their role is. But yeah, it's it's a fair issue to raise. We don't know what Chrysler's books look like, and we also don't know because they're a private company. Um, all of the answers to the questions that Congress gave them. Congress said we want question answers to these questions before we give you money, and several of the answers from Chrysler have been held in private uh, for competitive reasons. Only congressmen were able to see some of those answers. Here's something that I would like somebody to investigate. Uh, I would like, uh, you know, leaving aside uh, the upper tier of management, you know, all the guys that are sort of on the hill that everybody sort of yells at, or the guys you think of when you think of, you know, like the uh, 
Penny Packer guy or whatever his name is from Monopoly. Leaving aside all of, of you know, the, the, the guys at the actual top, if you took a company like Honda or Toyota, in other words, a, a, you know, what we call a foreign company, which is, I mean, really just such a, a weird gray area at this point anyway, because you got American car companies that have stuff located all over the world, and you got the you know Japanese companies who have factories in the South here, you know, in southern United States. But if you look at the average employee, and I'm not even really sure what that would mean, but the average employee at Honda or Toyota, and then look at the average employee at you know one of the big three. And, you know, try to figure out what they were making. I'd be curious to know the differential salary-wise between yeah. Toyota and Honda, who are non-union companies here, and the big three. Because you always hear that, well, the big three are getting shafted because they got the union. But on the other hand, the union's good because it's there and it's getting the workers more money. But I don't even really know if that's true because no one's ever bothered to, to kind of report on it. I think that's a great story. In hearings, we heard um, some... Congressmen especially say that that difference was as huge as two-thirds difference, and others say that there was barely any difference at all, um, which, you know, is, come on. Uh, of course there's a huge difference, but we, we don't, I don't know. We don't know the exact difference, and, and not, for that reason, we don't know how much they could save or would save if uh, the big three cut their wages down to what Toyota and I mean, it, it does seem like that's a thing that, that could be found out. I'm not like, yeah, yeah, you have no, to go do right. it. But I, but I would be curious to know oh, because right. I, because I just, I don't like not knowing stuff. And that seems like a question to which there is like an actual finite, concrete, tangible answer. Uh, so, and so I'm gonna have to. So, you know, if you if you do come across that information, or if, you, if somebody decides to look into it, I'd like to know that because it does give you. Because one doesn't like to think that one is just giving the you know the figurative shaft uh, to workers at a company that maybe you know are having a rough year already. Um, so and I you know I'd, I'd kind of like to know the reality. By the way, somebody has sort of clarified. Yes, Cerberus Capital Management and the mythological dog are the same spelling. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, so see, there you go. Way to go, way to go, Latin and Greek scholars. So Cerberus Capital Management is in fact named after the three-headed canine that guards the entrance to hell. That's I thought as well, but who am I to uh, who am I to dispute what a listener says? Yeah, I should have looked it up. Good job, listeners. All right, well there you go. So feel free to work that sort of literary allusion into a uh, an upcoming piece, Lisa. I'm all I'm all over it. All right, are you uh, on tomorrow? I am. I I believe I will be here all week. All right, excellent. Well, until we speak again, may the good news be yours. <laughs> And also with you. All right, thank, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. That's uh, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Catholics represent. All right. Hello, Todd Tulsis. Hello, Rick Emerson. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. We're compiling the news over here. Sarah has been a tremendous help to me. Thank you so much, Sarah. Ah, oh, anytime. Say this. Say, um, uh, Tom Hartman used to be a woman. Tom Hartman used to be a woman. I feel like I'm really... Oh, wow. I, I feel like I'm really falling down on the job here. Hold on. Let's, He's going to get I me to get, this. I want to get, like, Arrested Development quotes, like, about, like, the, come on, this is a $16,000 suit. Come on. Let's Let's see come on. Can you get radio? Uh, hello, is Susan Reynolds here, please? Uh, hold on just a moment. Great, thank you. Look at all these hardworking people at CBS. Who was that? That wasn't Kristen. All right. Susan may have some ideas on this. I feel like this is a sort of high-concept approach that I just, uh, just falling down on the... This is Susan Reynolds, uh, marketing director for CBS Radio Portland. Okay, please well, leave we a get message to the beep. and I will call you we'll back. Say that Tom Hartman thing again at the beep. Yeah. Tom Hartman hides cheerleaders in his trunk. There you go. The I end. couldn't remember what it was. Oh, no, 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 that's fantastic. No, 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 way to go. Uh, all right. Uh, Tom's going to kill me for this. You know that, don't you? 
He's going to come over to my house and beat me with a celery stalk. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, with the news, Todd told us. I'd like to say he, Tom's a good friend of mine. I'm not, not anymore. Many of your best friends are Tom Hartman. <laughs> well, the biggest local story today, Rick, is the cold weather. Several inches of snow brought much of Portland to a standstill today. Conditions are likely to improve later on, but the schools are closed today and a delayed opening of city government today as well. Portland Mayor-elect Mayor Sam Adams held a press conference uh, yesterday and another one this morning. Was he in front of a fireplace with a hot toddy and wearing slippers? He wasn't this morning. I saw that one. He was bumbling. Up, he started looking like the KGW Channel 8 crew on top of Sylvan, you know, where they got yeah. you know, the only piece of skin left that's exposed is just under their eyelids, you know. I bet his scarf matched his belt, though. I mean, that's just a guess. I'm speculating. <laughs> Adam said the city is expecting uh, below freezing temperatures to last a while, leading to an additional uh, warming shelters opening around town for people in need. Uh, the schools, as I mentioned, are closed today. Non-essential city employees were asked by current mayor Tom Potter to uh, Tom Potter uh, not to come to work before 10 a.m. Transportation officials urge Portland residents not to leave their homes unless it's absolutely critical on Sunday evening because of the icy roads. All right, let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show, bundled up herself, <laughs> CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Hello. Hi, I, I ventured out and I, wow. I was coming back in and I heard the call go out. Oh, it you was like the bad signal. <laughs> did you uh, did you hear the voicemail we left for you? Well, no, uh, because I literally just came in from the parking lot. Oh. So I. Oh. Uh, when you check your voicemail, you will hear Susan Reynolds the following phrase: Tom Hartman. Hides cheerleaders in his trunk. See? <laughs> that is fantastic. How amazing is his voice, Today huh? is great. All right, so I wow. Been, but I feel like, I was saying earlier, I'm in a great mood, but I feel like the inside of my head is a little untethered. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. both a little spacey today. We need help. So uh, it feels like, I, uh, no offense, we have this great toy to work with all day, and I have nothing to make it. <laughs> you're like a real-life Furby, but uh, but like with a better voice, and I have nothing I have nothing for Todd to say. So we need some uh, some copy. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, I, Sarah suggested having the audience do like a high concept, which I guess is okay, but... Then it'll lack the immediacy because, in other words, they'll have to call up. We'd hear it on the air. I would say it, and he would say it again, and it, you know, I would uh, have to have like the sort of element of surprise. Bam, bam, bam. Why don't we recruit uh, other CBS employees who are in the building today? Like I know that Fat Boy and like Lisa Wood and they could probably think of something. Right, and we could write them down and just uh, uh, like a you know like in the old days of the newspaper. This just in, you right, know, hot right. off the presses, and How then we this? run in here. Just say this. Just say, Guppy. Guppy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Can you do it in a world? <laughs> do you get tired of people asking you to do it in a world? People do that a lot, but, you, you know, that's, the, yeah, gosh. That's your free Who bird? is better at it than John LaFontaine? Yeah. Well, now well, everyone. I can, I can yeah. take a swing at it, you yeah. know. In a world where guppies ruled, one man decided to get a koi pond. Okay. Wow. Uh, we got like 90 minutes. I feel like we're oh. really, really like uh, under the gun to come up with something genius here. Um... Yeah, yeah, I've got nothing. Okay, it's like I'm just so overwhelmed with the with the opportunity here. Well, let me go uh, shed my layers, and well, you know, I mean, like I, I've got it's just an awkward way I'm of putting sorry, it. I'm sorry, I just walked in. Pardon from me, outside. Rick. I have to go molt. Oh, no, not like that. But I, I mean, I did just come in from outside, and now I'm starting to overheat. This epidermis <laughs> is making me thirsty. <laughs> so uh, let me let me go give this a little thought. I mean, we got a little time left. Yes. And and. Where, where where are you going after this, Todd? Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Okay, like I said, <laughs> this is like That's the most so brilliant. Uh, but it's the most brilliant thing that we're doing because 
people are available and willing to help. That's a, that's a nice way to put it. They are available. Yeah. Uh, I and, figure, uh, what, half your staff didn't come in today, at least, right? Seriously, and yet, yeah. you know what, he's not even being paid and he's here. I'm available. <laughs> he's fantastic. He really is. I've got nothing going on. So if on. I print out some Joe Bluth uh, quotes, would you read those? Of course, of course. You watched Arrested Development. We love not? it. Yeah, so. All three right. seasons of it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so you know the inflection. Oh, this yeah. is going to be fun. Uh, all right, well, I'm going to try to think of one more here. No, see, I got nothing. Now, see, do you know I mean it's like the, uh, the potential is just so blinding that it's like I can't almost, I really, I almost can't have come up, come up with anything in my head. Uh, Bring the stair car around. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be my GPS voice. I really do. So me too. I have a woman as my GPS voice, and at one point somebody was uh, messing with the buttons and, and changed it to French. <laughs> and um, and that really messed me up. And still, somebody changed it to kilometers, and I can't get it back. Mine does the, uh, you can do Mandarin Chinese, like, like you know, different all kinds of different languages and whatever. Mm. So, um, but uh, but mine is like, a, the default is sort of this snarky Australian guy, <laughs> you know? And he's just like really, really smug and like self, like every time, like when you, um, whenever you, you know, you get to where you're going, like he just sounds so pleased with it. You have reached your destination. You know, he's yeah. like so unbelievable. You stupid idiot! Yeah, seriously, <laughs> daft Yankee. You know, idiot American who needed to be led by like with a ring through the nose. You disgust me. All right, Lisa Wood wants to know if you'll say your mother sews socks that smell. Your mother sews socks that smell. You're kind of freaking me out. <laughs> All right, I mean, in a good way. All right, I got to think on it. We'll take a. Are we taking a break? Yes, we're going to take a break. All right, taking a break here. We will come back after this. Uh, with uh, Todd Tulsis, who is stepping in for the late in, uh, late off, stepping in for the late. I cannot talk today. <laughs> and having you here makes me feel even more inferior. Oh, stop it! Because you know, even if you make mistakes, they just sound wonderful, and I can't. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, the late <clears throat> from Livewire Radio. So uh, don't go anywhere. Back after this. <laughs> Insert touching display of you died spirit here. This is AM 970, The Talker. The is your 503-733-2970. This is the Rick Emerson Show, only on AM 970, The Talker. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 970 coming up later on. We will talk to Kate Sokoloff and Courtney Hamaster from Livewire Radio. Uh, their final performance of the year going to be coming up this weekend uh, at the back at Baghdad, the Aladdin. Uh, so we'll have them in the studio next hour. We got the uh, top five coming up with Chris Paddock as well. Top five comeback albums of all time. Uh, let's see, still to come. We done the Geek Watch. I don't. I, I, I can't even keep track of what we've done today and what we haven't. No, like a. We've, yeah, we have a bunch of watches. Too. Like it's, it's like a it's like some sort of cerebral snowstorm happening inside my head today that is blotting out all of my normally ultra linear, uh, linear uh, thought process. All right, uh, as you know, throughout the rest of the year, uh, we are having a series of Portland uh, media professionals who have been laid off. Fill in for the laid off Portland media professional Tim Riley today. 
Uh, you can be uh, he can be reached at imagingvoice.com. This is Todd Tulsas with the news. Thank you, Rick Emerson. Thank you, Sarah. Good afternoon, everybody. Say this. Say, I've made a huge mistake. I have made a huge mistake. Uh, the, okay, the great thing is, no matter what we're giving you, it's fantastic because you're doing it like the in a world guy. That is so. Do you come up wonderful. with anything? I, I've totally been oh. over. The crew is back. The an, the animated film that you will eventually make with DreamWorks about the characters who are out of work voice actors because everything's just being done by like uh, you know everything's Real being actors. done by like Jessica Alba. Yeah. It will be called In a World. Dot dot dot. Come on. In a world. Dot, dot, dot. The, they, see, coming this fall. See, this is fantastic. You, the movie would actually be called, and then it's like a meta, meta, meta thing. Right. At a theater near you. There you go. That's wonderful. <laughs> All right. I might have you do my outgoing voice greeting. I'd, you know? be, I'd be delighted. Yeah, just as much as I, you know, because right now it just defaults to the, like, you have reached, you know, this is 503, yeah. and it's not even my voice. It's just the automated voice. Uh, but I might actually have you record like some sort of like, you know, in a world where he's not around to take your call. Just, right. You know, all right. If you're trying to reach Rick Emerson, please disregard this message. There is um, there is a guy, a friend of ours who works at K2. He's a camera guy at K2. And he worked at the WB. And when he left the WB to go to K2, I think one of the last things he did, like on his last day there, is he had the WB voice guy. Yeah. Record, uh, record his voicemail greeting, and it's and it's that guy who has I I don't know who it is but that guy tonight on an all new Gilmore Girls that guy, and it, but he totally puts on the uh, he totally puts on the intensifier and he goes you have reached Nate's voicemail system at the tone leave your message puny human and it's just like the best like you almost want to call it just at slack moments in your own life just to hear what it sounds like. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Todd Tulsa's with the news. Thank you, Rick. Disgraced Illinois Governor Rod Blug. Have we figured out how to say this guy's name yet? It's Blagojevich. Blagojevich. Thank you. Well, I'm a... only the news guy. <laughs> I almost <laughs> demand that he stay in office now that we've all figured out how, how to, to use the name. name. You know what exactly. I mean? Governor Rod Blagojevich of Illinois heads to work today, rejecting calls for his resignation after his arrest on federal corruption charges. He's accused of trying to sell President-elect Barack Obama's Senate seat. Governor's spokesman now says Blagojevich has ruled out allowing a special election to fill that seat. Rumors have now started to swirl about the possibility that Blagojevich may have been trying to cut the best possible deal he could in exchange for not appointing someone to President-elect Obama's Senate seat. All right, so now I'm all confused. Yeah, now he's too. so wait, now he's staying, but he's not going to have a vote, or they're not. Uh, he's saying that you know that there's not going to be any special election, at least while he's in office. Meanwhile, the attorney general is doing everything they can to throw him out of office. Before he can do anything. And so he's playing both sides of the fence. Here's a guy who's trying to cut a deal saying, well, I might appoint somebody before you guys throw me out of office, but what kind of a deal can I get oh, if I, I don't ah, appoint somebody? Ah, all right, I understand it. So see? it's so it's a, so it's a lot of, uh, that's a nice empty Senate seat you got there. Be yeah. a shame if, if something would have happened to it. it. Yeah, exactly. all right. He's it. like, what kind of, a, what kind of a, a goodbye kiss will you give me yeah. so that I do not immediately just snap and, and, and like, give the seat to Cato Kalin? Or right, right. So. It, it either goes to Cato Kalin or I don't do any hard time. He, told, that, he should totally do that. He should totally come up with, like, the, 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 like the worst, most irresponsible person. <laughs> Seriously, like, uh, you, know, you know, like Rob Schneider or somebody. <laughs> And just bring him to the press conference. Like, see here, this is Rob Schneider. You may know him from such movies as Deuce Bigelow. I will make him the senator tomorrow unless you let me walk. I'll do it right now. And actually have his hand, like, with the pen above the On executive the order. Yes. It's like, all I have to do is sign right now, and you've got, you've got Senator Schneider. Only you can stop this. I don't want to go to jail, please. 
Fantastic. 11-year-old archer Lu Chang, who lives in China. This is a Chinese archer. Uh, he's only 11 years old. He survived when a teammate accidentally shot an arrow through his eye socket. The schoolboy underwent four hours of surgery to extricate the object, which had sunk more than four inches into uh, his head. He's doing okay. Is it necessary to point out that it was an accidental shooting of an arrow into his eye socket? It was an accidental shooting. All right. Well, there you go. And this is, he lives where? This is in China. All right. Well, they didn't give me the city. So the, so the arrow is probably filled with lead to boot. <laughs> and melanin. Yeah, seriously. This lead is, this lead is also made of hate. <laughs> Bad dog food. Uh, Coca-Cola Company is about to launch a new drink this week with an ingredient that has not yet received Food and Drug Administration approval. Have you heard about this? This is a, a new drink. It's a non-carbonated juice beverage. Contains a natural, calorie-free sweetener made from the herb stevia. Have you heard about this? I know, stevia isn't that stuff that uh, kids in dirtbag times are always like huffing out of a bag or something? Yes, that's the stuff. Yeah. Coke plans to market. You three. don't know. You're just saying yes to <laughs> whatever I say. With him. That's right, Rick. <laughs> what you're paying? You're for. always right. Coke plans to market the three juice drink flavors in its Adwala line, Sarah, because we know you mm, drink Adwalas, uh, using this natural, non-calorie or non-caloric sweetener. Pepsi is also several drinks ready to go in the U.S. using the same stuff, Stevia. There's only one problem, though. The FDA has approved Stevia only as a dietary supplement, read it like vitamin, but labeled it as an unsafe food additive. So is this... But, I mean, don't they have, like, a, the, what's it, like, the, uh, you know, there's, like, Splenda and Saccharin and yes. all that stuff now? Yes. So That's I mean, all been approved. That's all really, been approved. I mean, does the cream of American scientific thought really need to be put into finding more things that are sweet and taste like sugar? Welcome, like to the, not, welcome to the United States. We've sort of got that aspect of things handled, I think, in this country. I mean, really, just take a good, long look the next time you're at, the like, the Lloyd Center Mall or something. And I think we've really got the, uh, we got the sweets problem effectively uh, boxed in at this point. We do. Uh, what can you do? That right. is the United States. We've heard about this fellow who was, uh, he's all grown up now. He was the baby on the front cover of the Nirvana album. You remember this? The, yeah. um, uh, what is his name? His name is um, Spencer Eldon. He's all grown up now. 17 years after Nirvana's breakthrough album, Irreversibly Changed Music, and the naked baby pictured on its cover, apparently he's still chasing dollars. Spencer Eldon, he's the underwater infant pursuing the dollar bill on 1991's uh, Nevermind album. Uh, and apparently he's done swimmingly well this uh, uh, as of lately. Has he really done swimmingly well? That's what it says. Okay. Being the Nirvana baby, Eldon, uh, call, as, as, as Eldon calls himself, has been profitably 17 years old now. He says he was paid $1,000 to reenact the famous pool pose for photographers lately. And you compare that to the original shoot, which he was only paid $200 for when he was a baby. And, you know, there's got to be some sort of, I mean, uh, on the one hand, nobody likes to think of your... Being on display for the whole world when you don't really have anything to say about it. I mean, it's bad enough, like, when you're in high school and, like, some girl that you're, like, comes over and, you know, your mom wants to show them photos of you, like, taking a bath when you're six months old or something. But, I mean, I mean, that's, like, just sort of a, you know, you're kind of tackle out uh, for the whole world to see. But, I mean, so I guess he can make some money on Do you suppose that he just... Like, how do you, I mean, how do you even prove that? That seems like a thing that you would want to impress girls with. Yes. Like, hey, I'm that guy in the front of the... On the front of the Nirvana album, but, like, how would you even show that it's the case? Well, once you get the uh, girls back to your bachelor apartment, you can show them the proofs from the shoot. They're in your possession, perhaps. I suppose, but, I mean, unless you just have a whole lot of rags and chloroform with you, I think getting them back to your apartment is probably going to be difficult if they think you're, uh, you know, like, uh, sort of uh, toying with them in that way. I, I mean, I wonder if, like, 
if, if that's a thing that he if he has an agent for or something. I mean, oh, I'm he not, has I mean, to have an agent. I'm I mean, sure. Joe the Plumber guy's putting on a record album, so I mean, I guess the Nirvana baby guy. I wonder if he just goes around to parties and like. <laughs> Like, if he's like a low-level luminary to have your holiday shindig, if you can't get anybody good, like he's on page, like, 572 of, like, people to come hang out at your soiree and make it seem like a happening event. Well, this is exactly what he says here in the quote, Rick. He says, stuff happens, like random cool situations where I get paid $500 just to go hang out. People just call me up, and they're like, hey, you're the Nirvana baby, right? <laughs> he sounds really deep. <laughs> hey, you're the Nirvana baby, right? Well... Just come and swim in my pool, and we'll give you some money. So they just, they pay him to just, I mean, look, I'm not knocking whatever a guy's to do to make a living. They pay him to just come float around on a swimming pool? There you Does go. he have to do it naked? Is it some, like, kinky thing where they, he has to try and relive, like, the cover? I don't know. know. See, but that's, see, because I'm a guy, this is what I immediately think of is that that's, of course, once you somehow convince the girl that you really are the, the dude for the Nirvana cover, that's then your next, that's your next line, right? Is where you somehow, you know, like, but I'm all grown up now, if you know what I mean. Or, you know, I'm just saying, I mean, look, I mean, you got to make a... I'm not a baby anymore. You got... But you don't see you don't see anybody offering Joe the plumber you know a couple of hundred bucks to go hang out in their pool. No, you know? no, probably not. So maybe I to mean, fix Sarah, their pool. Sometimes one must make love making lemons out of childhood. Uh, no, out of a thing, love out of another thing. Lemon. Lemonade out of. It's a whole day of transposing words and thoughts for me. <laughs> Is it time for the Michael Jackson watch? Isn't it always? Let's do your Jackson watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Todd Coltis with your Jackson watch. Uh, you know, Michael Jackson has never lacked uh, creativity when it comes to fashioning a disguise, but Michael Jackson's latest effort is a remarkable one, even by his own standards. With his trademark stupid hat and his black eye mask, the troubled 50-year-old, 50-year-old, looked like a dead ringer for Zorro. Do we have a uh, photo of this? Yes. Can this be seen online, Sarah? If people go to, uh, it's like the Daily Mail or oh, something. Oh yeah, I guess I could. I can imagine. Look on. at this, but they, uh, hold on, I'll have the rest of my. Oh, wait a second. Oh, here you go. Wow, here. that's unnerving. Yeah, there are a bunch of them. That's that's deeply creepy. You know what he kind of looks like around the eyes? He kind of looks like Andy Robinson, who is Scorpio in the original Dirty Harry. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, the you know what I mean? The, yeah, the guy in the mask. Yeah, but the, the, the guy who has that, the weird crinkly eyes that, I'm going to let the girl die. You know, that <laughs> right. is, which you can sort of see Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson ought to be cast as some, uh, you know, they're, they're, this would never happen. But I just read yesterday they've actually now inked a deal to move forward with a Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Michael Jackson is Freddy Krueger. The new one. I'm telling you right now, I that stunt casting, they'd probably they'd probably pay him $20 million to do that. Just because they know that it would be compelling and people will go to see it. And I dare say he might do a, con a convincing job. This is awfully creepy stuff. I mean, you know, when you think of uh, Zorro, you think of Guy Masterson, you think of uh, Antonio Banderas, uh, or even, uh, you know, what's his name, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, but now all he's got is this creepy little mask, this dopey-looking hat, and this Boy George sort of thing on his head. And uh, it says here, um, you know, he, you know, there's no, there's no boots, there's no, uh, you know, cape, there, you know, none of that. No, he's opted for slippers and a bright blue tunic. <laughs> the word tunic is hilarious. I don't even really know what it is. I think it's like a Nehru, sort of like a raincoat, yeah, or yeah. something. A tent, a so bright blue tent. So I'm looking at this here, and it's 
first of all, in this photograph, just for those who are not able to see this, you can go to the Daily Mail, I think, and see this article. But it's so he's got a black fedora. He's got this sort of it, like a babushka, kind of a, like his like his head is all wrapped up in like this sort of black gauze. He looks just freaky. A Zorro mask. Right. A blue tunic and slippers. It's like he went to some sort of like a like a costume party. I, well, I, okay, those two, yes, crazy, yes, costume, yes. But I was going to say almost like, like kind of a leftover superhero garb. He's store. in all of its color, though. But you know, like, like he went to yeah, he went to the superhero. So he went to the creepy. he went to the superhero store, and it's all they had left. He's sort of like he's like the shadow crossed with the Virgin Mary. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the heart of Jesus? He dead eyes too. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and, and you know, here's the thing: it doesn't fit very well. And somebody, and you know, and and he, the the creepy thing is like, you know, he has to take all that off to bathe at some point. I mean, that's the thing. Like he's, he's got to give himself a good sponging at some point. And you got to wonder what poor soul draws the, you know, um, did you the shortest straw. When he's getting back into his car, and there's a giant picture of cardboard babies in his car no i don't even know what no, we're talking no. about now no he's getting back into his car and there's this giant picture with just a bunch of babies on it say this say michael jackson's car is filled with cardboard babies michael jackson's car is filled with cardboard babies i love today <laughs> the best show ever <laughs> asterisk meanwhile wow. the gates of michael jackson's famed neverland ranch and one of his white gloves first unveiled in his 1983 uh, music video billy jean are going up for auction in a 2000 item sale organized by the self-styled king of pop uh the auctioneer said on wednesday that jackson was sorting through thousands of personal items in his vast art collection from the abandoned neverland ranch and other places Five-day auction in Beverly Hills, scheduled for April 21st through the 25th, will be the first organized by Jackson, who has been living as a virtual recluse since his acquittal in 2005 on child sex abuse charges. He has never had an auction, said the auctioneer. We have been working closely with him for five months, and he is in complete control of this. That may be the only thing he's in complete control of. Seriously, you want to talk about a guy that needs a GPS? I mean, there's a, really, there needs, we need to do a chipping uh, with that guy like right now. All right, are we closing out? the? Are we breaking after this, sir? All right, let's close this out. There's your Jackson watch for Monday. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Let's get one call here, and then we'll take a break. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. This is sir. Oh. As a matter of fact, thank you, Rick, for taking my call. Say hello. And, Todd, nice to hear your mellifluous tones on the Portland airwaves once again. Say, nice to say hear this. yours. Say this. Say uh, mellifluous. Mellifluous. No, not All right. <laughs> well, how can I help you, sir? Um, actually, I saw that recreation of the... Uh, uh, never mind album cover in the uh, issue of Rolling Stone with Britney Spears on the cover uh-huh. that has the hot list in it. Right. And, and, and there's a little blurb there beside it, and he says that he uses the line when talking yeah. to use so, your euphemism. There. I see. So he says, you've already seen my sexual organ once. Would you like to see it again? Would you like to see it again? So he's kind of a douche. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, thank I- you, sir. You sound good on the air. Nice to hear. Nice to have you back. 
Thank you so much. All right, there you go. There you go. All right, well, let's do this. Let's take a break. We come back. We're going to have Kate Sokoloff from Livewire Radio along with Courtney Hommeister. Uh Chris Paddock will join us later on for the top five. And coming up in the 2 o'clock hour, uh, we'll have a final news segment from Todd Tolsis. You can reach him, by the way, at imagingvoice.com. Imaging voice. Maybe we can come back with his um, brazen. Oh, did we find him as yep. the, and, and featuring Todd Tolson as the rutabaga? Uh-huh. All right, wonderful. Back after this, don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Indeed. I swear I'm not crazy. There's something in it. Uh-huh. Whatever you say. I didn't Seriously. see the lights dim. No, I can feel it. There's Tell me you saw the lights dim. I think so. You've I... got to get your hand out of your hair. You're going to end up like one of those alopecia girls with big patches of scalp <laughs> showing through. I need to get this one thing out. I don't know what it is. I think it's part of my hairband, but it's wedged in there, and I can't get it out. Uh-huh. I see it, too. No one sees it. No, you have There's nothing in your hair. You been... Okay, listen. Will you just come over here under the light? Okay, just okay. But before I do that, here's the thing. A, if I don't see whatever you claim is in your then hair, I'll stop touching my hair. No, no, no. Now listen. Oh. Even if it's not there, I'm gonna say that I see it because I can tell that it's become a real. Uh, I can tell it's become a real uh, uh, stick in the spokes for you mentally today. I've been the, obsessed with it since this morning. And I didn't really notice it at first because we were talking the other day about uh, sort of mannerisms that we have and just sort of uh, nervous tics. And by the way, the nervous tics are different from our various OCD traits. Yes, that's a completely different category. OCD is like me having to count the steps between lines on the sidewalk. Nervous tick is me constantly, if I'm wearing a button-up shirt, I constantly grab the, the tail, you know, the, the, the edge of my button-up shirt, and I hold it in my hand while I talk. You do this thing, it is almost like you are slowly working. Like petting my hair. It's like your pet, I wasn't going to say that, <laughs> uh, Lenny style, uh, or working conditioner through sort of a strand of hair. I could see that. But you've been doing it all day, and I didn't realize it's because you think there's something stuck in your there head. There is something in my hair. What, what, what do you claim is stuck I in your hair? I think it might be a piece of a broken, like, my hairband, because I remember my hairband right. breaking yesterday. All right, I'm... All right. all right. Now, am I going to be able to see this? I think so. I think it would all be right. white. Hold you... on, hold on. Hold on. Where? It's right. Oh, I can feel something. You can. Okay. You're you're not entirely crazy. Okay, but that's just hair. It, it can't just be hair. It's just a knotted piece of hair. No, that's not hair. And there's no plastic in it. But feel the end right here. Just what, really quick. What's what the left? Where? Where am I feeling? Okay, wait, hold right on. All right, hold on. Wait, no. What? Wait, give me a finger. All right. See? Feel that? It just... Okay. Yeah, baby, I feel it. I don't. I think, I mean, no, I mean, I can tell why you think there's something stuck in your hair. It feels, this is so gross. It feels very solid. Yeah. But I think it's just a piece of hair that's but become very... But how can very my no- hair be solid? Because it's, because it's tightly wrapped keratin fiber. Because it's, just, because it's in a knot, you know what I mean? No, there's something in there. Okay. Uh, why, uh, hello, is it crazy where you are? It's the Rick Emerson program. It's 503-733-20. You're going all uh, Ellen Burstyn on me over there. My Harry's going to be on television. All right. Whatever. Thanks, Rick. Ma, these are, these are uppers. They give you a lot to pay. Oh, God. Let's not start. I'm just saying. That you're, the, look, you're the one pawing at yourself All like right, you're fine. a rhesus monkey. I'm just going to leave it alone. No offense. I'm going to pull it up. Okay. I'm not touching it. Uh-huh. It's 503-733-2978. Richie, can we, uh, can we welcome uh, Courtney Hommeister and Kate Sokoloff to the uh, Rick Emerson Studios? That would be ever so swell. Uh, and we'll put them on mics, uh, let's see, two and four 
or whatever this okay. is. We have Tim's mic and this this other guest mic. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. In the meantime, in between time, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello there. Yeah, hey, Rick. What's I just up? wanted to, two things I wanted to tell you. One yes. of them is I wanted to get the guy's website who was just on. It's something imaging. Uh, it's uh, imagingvoice.com, sir. Okay. And I'm not the big player by any means or anything, yes. but I do, honest to God, have a friend who works at DreamWorks Animation Department, and that's right up her sense of humor. I'm out. telling you, man, Rick Emerson is people who knows people who kind of know other people who once said yeah. hi to other people at a party. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was going to call her up on her cell phone and tell her about that. Cause you I should call her right now. I will, actually. What's, okay, let me write it down. I'm parked now. What's his website again? All right, his website is Imaging Voice, just like it sounds, ImagingVoice.com, sir. ImagingVoice.com. And she's not the big, um, the big deal maker over there either. But she's hanging around with all of them and I'm working just telling on their you, animation, and we'll put it in the loop. You so put you it, uh, you put it in the pipeline. I want uh, executive producer status above the line and three points on the gross. Okay, and I'll tell her about you too, Rick. Right? Oh, thanks so much. All <laughs> You're right, welcome. Yeah. All right, I appreciate Bye. it. All right, I'm the, I'm the steak knives and so forth. Okay, uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Studios. Uh, from Livewire Radio, which is a, as you might have uh, gleaned from the title, a live extravaganza, which happens at the Aladdin, uh, this Saturday, Friday. Gah! You put the bag. Oh, right. the bag at one I said the Friday. I got a whole thing going on in my head, and it's, it's uh, kind of crazy today. Yeah. Well, just for the vacation day. Uh, let us welcome, uh, Kate Sokoloff, who is the uh, producer, artistic director, guru, maven, mastermind, and overseer of all. Uh, wow. Livewire Radio, as I well. I just got a promotion. As well as, totally. uh, there's no money for that. Uh, as well as, uh, I do have a drink ticket for you, though. Can you do it for a Woo-hoo! drink ticket? As well as host and head writer, uh, Courtney Hummeister. Hello. Hi. How are you guys? Thanks for having us. All right. So, full disclosure, so we've talked before, because you guys, I don't, did it air this last weekend? I believe it aired on Sunday. Yesterday, uh, on Outlook Portland, uh, which is the, uh, the public affairs show that I do Sunday mornings on the, the CW and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I mean, so you guys were, were fantastic, and Livewire Radio is, just full disclosure, I think we've been at several parties together where you guys keep telling me to come see it, and I go, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then, but then later it's like it's just an out of sight, out of mind thing, and I forget, and then I, and then I don't go. So I'm kind of a tool in that regard. Um, You're but just this not is, a public radio nerd. No, no. Is, is, is also, you know that it's it's pretty common that the the wives make the social plans. Yes. So I think we need to get a hold of your your other half yes. and get her to come in. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take care of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, whipping sound. But you guys have been doing but you've been doing this for a long time. You are one of those. You are now a Portland institution. Yes, we are institutionalized, as Kate said. Yes. Did I say that? I don't. I don't remember seeing it. Hey, I want to know why Courtney doesn't have the headphones on, and I do. Uh, it's because because um, we only have one set. Of yeah, I was going to oh. say we've been doing some streamlining here at CBS Radio. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, uh, so but this is the last show of the year. It's coming up uh, Friday, and what can people expect from this cavalcade of amusements? Um, fun, 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 fabulous funness. Could you vague that up for us? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to know who the guests are? Yes, I do. Oh, my gosh. It's it's almost overwhelming. Uh, we've got Henry Selleck, who is the director of The Nightmare Before Christmas, and he's going to talk about Coraline, which is coming out of Leica Studios' first ever feature-length 
3D stop motion animation film. And also, we we did actually talk about this, but James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, he did James and the Giant Peach All as right. well. Yeah. Um. So Henry Selick will be on. Thomas Lauderdale will be on talking to Ari Shapiro. Ari Shapiro, and he's the Justice correspondent for NPR. And we, uh, what I'm Shapiro, really interested. Lauderdale, just to make that clear. What did I say? R.A. Lauderdale? No, you said oh. R.A. but Thomas Lauderdale is talking oh, to the Thomas. Judge. We'll fix all of this in post. Thank Great. You. Fabulous. Um, but we, I mean, what we really want to know is, in terms of justice, what's, what is Obama going to be able to overturn? What kind of damage is Obama going to be able to, to overturn? You know, uh, Bush overturned habeas corpus, um, tons of telecommunications stuff that allows, you know, the government to listen in on, on what we're saying. You know, even if we're talking to Granny so you're wondering, about uh, her underwear, you're, you're wondering what sort of what sort of real rubber meets the road changes will be instituted. Right, whether that's, or not he'll, you know, we all know that it's difficult to take power away once it's given. That's so, so charming and naive. Uh, <laughs> that's I know that's He's so keep sweet, it. just that kind of absolute <laughs> denial. It's adorable. I t- you know, the day after the, uh, and we're big bleeding hearts, but the, the, the day after the election, you know, we were here and we were sort of doing the post-election reveling, and I was I was kind of hoarse and, and voiceless and whatever, but I was, we had all of these drinking games that we were, we, we carried the debates, uh, at least, we carried the first presidential debate, the VP debate, and the final presidential debate here with kind of mystery science theater commentary. Oh, great. It was like Storm Large and Peter Carlin for New York mm-hmm. going us. We sure. all did this running commentary. And... And so we had this drinking game, and it was like every time it came, would say my friends, or every time, uh, you know, you know, like every time Biden would transpose words mm-hmm. or something, or or every time, um, every time uh, Sarah Palin dropped a G at the end of a word. Totally, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, we were as comedians have sort of said for for many many weeks now that it's difficult with Biden and Obama because they're just kind of dull. You know, there's not a lot you can do with boring. There's not a lot of hooks there. Mm-hmm. So I suggested really the uh, the only drinking game that you're going to be able to come up with is that you take a shot every time uh, Obama disappoints the naive liberals who voted for him. So, <laughs> I'm drunk already. Which I was just going to exactly. say, which happened like Hillary Clinton. Bam! You know, so... <laughs> Anyway, I'm just saying. Um, so, uh, and any other guests? And great, yeah, yeah um, uh, Blue Giant, uh, great supergroup made up of members of the Decemberists and Viva Voce, uh, and uh, Blind Pilot. Marcus Sita will be on talking about holidays. His his play that's at ART. Scott Poole, the poet, and it's good, fun, actual, hilarious poetry, not the kind of stuff. There's that... just not enough poetry in my life. <laughs> I realize that. We'll try to bring more into it. But more than that, it's hilarity and yucks aplenty. Isn't that right, Courtney? Yes, yes. We when we have a sketch comedy troupe that you can. So uh, you have um, a piece that you know you wrote this, mm-hmm. and uh, I will actually say again, just sort of, so we're, we're all doing full disclosure that I've actually heard this before. You did this on Outlook Portland; it was fantastic. And as soon as you did this, I pulled it like you've got to come on the radio and do this because it's it really is quite it really is quite something. Um, and so I have to ask before before you uh, before you read this piece, what is the name of it? Um, it's LiveWire's tips for surviving the holidays with your family. And is this drawn from life, Courtney? It's drawn a little bit from my own life, I have to say. It, I tend to I tend to do that. I enjoy public humiliation. All your pain coming through the prism of laughs. Exactly. Failing to hide the sensitive, tortured soul inside. I'm a, I'm actually a crying on the inside and outside kind of clown. <laughs> so I'm a hating on the outside <laughs> clown. 
I've noticed that. All right. Yeah. On the inside, it's sort of sort of like a like a gentle crust of loathing, mm-hmm. and then just like a blackened core of seething lurking within. But it's within. delicious and gooey. In yes. There in yes. So many ways yes. as well. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is uh, Livewire Radio's tips for enjoying the holidays with family. Mm-hmm. Will uh, this be performed at the uh, show on Friday? It won't actually. This was something that was on our show. This is like an outtake. Yeah. This is like a. This is oh, like one of those know. webisodes. Like you don't see audience. it. This re-edited. Is, all right. Uh, before we do anything else, so the uh, website is livewireradio.org. Correct. Uh, final show this Friday at the Aladdin. Tickets uh, purchasable at the website or box office or both? Uh, box office and Ticketmaster. All right. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Courtney Hommeister from Livewire Radio. Livewire's tips for surviving the holidays with family. All right. Tip number one, lie, lie, lie. We all realize that that honesty is, of course, always the best policy. But when you're with your family, just pretend. Pretend your douche-nozzle brother never put you in the dryer on the delicate cycle. Pretend you're not still mad at your sister for telling your now ex-boyfriend you wet the bed as a kid. Pretend you're happy to be home. Because while we all love honesty as a concept, as a practice, it can get a little sticky. And the only thing that should be sticky around the holidays is that giant candy cane you have stuck in the back of your hair. It's a good look for you. Tip number two, find ways to avoid food by any means necessary. There are two reasons you might need to do this. One, you might have relatives who are gastronomically disabled. Your Aunt Sandy, for instance, might have baked her famous tater tot and tapioca casserole. And while nothing says Merry Christmas like projectile vomiting into your stocking, it might be best to tell your aunt that you're tater toast intolerant. Additionally, someone in your family might be too adept in the kitchen. My mother, for instance, creates holiday sweets of such caloric magnitude as to widen my hips by inches when I just smell them. Eating them is transcendent. Finishing them, suicidal. So it's hard, but I just say to myself, put the cookie down or no one is ever going to have sex with you again. Yes, it sounds a little harsh, and it did upset my grandma when I accidentally said it out loud last year, but it works, and you should have seen how fast she dropped her cookie. Tip number three, find everything your relatives ever gave you and hang them up, put them out, and put them on. The naked painting of B. Arthur from your aunt, the food dehydrator you've been using as a footstool, and that hilarious T-shirt from your stepmother that says, I shouldn't have to dial one for English. <laughs> oh, Sheila, you're such a wacky racist. Tip number four, medicate your cat. Nothing ruins a holiday meal more than discovering that you've accidentally cooked the turkey with your beloved family pet inside after she dashed into the raw carcass to escape your cousin Sarah, the screamer. Maybe it was suicide. We'll never know. In any case, a little kitty Prozac, and it won't happen to you. Tip number five, embrace the chaos. Yes. The children's screeches have broken three pieces of your good crystal. The carpet looks like an edible Jackson Pollock painting. And the refrigerator can't seem to stop shuddering and may never recover. But the wider the path of destruction, the hoarser you are from saying, I am not going to say this again. And the longer it takes to get the house back to some semblance of its previous state, the more you know you're loved. Loved by completely insane people who somehow concurrently know you better than anyone else and don't know you at all. Yes, they're the ones who smoke at the table, wear sweatshirts with floral appliques, and think Jeff Foxworthy is a misunderstood genius. But they're also the ones who remember that it's the butterscotch chips that you always liked, not the peanut butter ones. 
and that you like the cookies baked until they're just the slightest bit black on the bottom, and they'll cook the whole batch like that just for you. Now, that's a good cookie. Ladies, ah. Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney Hommeister from LiveWire Radio. Um, LiveWire tips for surviving the holidays with family. Well done. Thank you. All right. By the way, uh, you're doing that thing again over there. No, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I want one of you to go over and look at Sarah's hair. Okay, yeah. Sarah's <laughs> insisting that there's a well, solid object of some... Oh, well, sure, it's not there now. This is like when you take your car into the mechanic and the squeaking suddenly uh, dissipates into the ether. I know. All right. Well, so she's can... claiming there's a solid object in her hair. No. Wait, now I can't find it. Uh huh. The old now I can't. Find it. Is this like? Wait, I think that's it. Are you like the William Shatner to the hair's gremlin on the wing of the plane? Does it feel like something's in there? Uh huh. It feels. I'm not sure about that metaphor. Just uh, I try to work in a Shatner thing, like whenever I can. I asked her if she wanted to touch my dirty hair before you're like, go over there. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to order you around. Would you like to touch Sarah's dirty hair? Her dirty, dirty hair. While she's looking, can we talk about jiggles and giggles? What was that? Oh, jiggles. Oh, that They're one of our fine sponsors. One of our many valued advertisers, Courtney. See, no, but see, she's just, see, she's saying the same thing I did. She's seeing the hair itself. Do you see a piece of plastic in Sarah's hair? No, I think it's product. Really? Some sort of coagulated goo? In a product oh, I am sexy. I'm... Why am I single again? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think aesthetics are only part of what make you so desirable, oh, Sarah. Really, it's uh, yeah. you make up for it with your uh, superior yeah. cunning and guile. Fantastic. Yes. I mean, oh, thank you. You've got great hair. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. It's hard, but it's <laughs> it has things embedded in it. It's, it's okay. resilient hair, Sarah. All right. Well, uh, all right. So, Livewire Radio, final performance of the year coming up uh, this Friday. Uh, find out more at livewireradio.org. Tickets available there or at the box office. And there will be uh, amusements aplenty. So, all right. Well, uh, happy holidays uh, to y'all if we don't talk again. And thank you guys so much for coming in. Sure, happy uh, holidays. Take a break. After this, we'll come back. Final news update with Todd Tolsis, who is filling in for the laid off Tim Riley, as well as today's top five. Top five comeback albums of all time with Chris Paddock. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Their lack of business representation impresses a hustling young vegetable named Rudy Begerman. He becomes their manager. Rudy got us our first paying gig. Only cost us $10 a piece. How did I get the career launch? What do you know? It would have been easier to launch a cement canoe. <laughs> when I met these guys, they were nothing but pure, unwrinkled talent. <laughs> now, what could I do with that? <laughs> when I met these guys, they, they, they needed some props and some stick to classy up the act a little bit, you know? What if I don't? What is it? What is it? Cold feet? Don't worry, Bebop. You just gotta believe in yourself. You know, there's one thing I've learned in this business. Rudy, who's driving? What do you know? Guys, we're here! Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. That, of course, the sound of Todd Tulsis as the rutabaga. Guys, we're here! <laughs> we have the, this is the, really the weirdest business. I mean, all if of it. weirdest, you mean awesomest. Uh, yes, I do mean that, actually. Uh, just the whole notion of just sitting behind a microphone and just, uh, you know, and either talking like, you know, a rutabaga. Yeah. 
or uh, you know, or just doing it, or Sarah sitting over there insisting that there's something in her hair. There is something in my hair. No one saw it. No. Kate was here and Crystal she didn't Cash see. and Lisa Wood just saw it. Look, oh, they're your friends. Here. But I can't get it out because it's too tangled in there. That's like when you make dinner, not you, but like you. That's like when you make dinner and your friends go, no, 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 it's really good. I, I like the the okay. gratin. It's crunchy, but well, it's, let's it's bring good. Chris Paddock over here since he's in here and he can look. And I I have been observing something since Saturday evening, and yeah. I was wondering what was going on. Uh-huh. And now I realize I think you have a nervous habit. Uh, it's oh, like an OCD oh, thing well, she with your hair. That. Well, you don't why... have extensions, do you? No. That's why I didn't notice her doing this because she she does it all the time. She kind of plays with her hair a lot, which is fine. We all have nervous tics. But this, so that's why I didn't notice it. But this kind of goes above and beyond that. Uh, that she's insisting this there's a, a foreign object session. of some gum? kind in her hair. No, it's like a, it's like a piece of rubber band. Here, come over here. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, Todd Tolsis, voice guy extraordinaire, why don't you narrate Chris Paddock looking through Sarah Dillon's hair? Chris Paddock now separating like the strands of oh, her kind of hair. Like, examining I, I, you know what, a small I feel item. very, we should get CSI in here. Yeah. We do something. No, but I know I can't get it out because it's too wrapped around. I think I'm going to have to cut it off. Obsessing over a small item in her hair, Sarah frowns with yeah. deliverance. You know, peanut <laughs> you know, peanut butter works. Wait, uh, oh. <laughs> don't wow. don't use gorilla glue to let that out. I like you, you're all like almost, you're, you're all like the narrator and whatnot. Like you're doing the uh, the narration on the comics panel. Meanwhile, in the city, <laughs> Bruce Wayne broods. I can feel the end of it. Uh huh. Wow. This is really weird. Yeah, it really is. So this is you're now the third person I think today to go over and start rooting around inside Sarah's hair looking for whatever this <laughs> mysterious object is. Like here's what I don't it get. Isn't Are you it's like be... monkeys picking ticks off each other's backs? <laughs> See, I wasn't going to say that. Are you going to be happy if they find something in your hair? There is something in my hair. It's not a question of whether or not it's found you, or not. But I mean, it's a question of if I can get it out. Doesn't that indicate something perhaps bad about you that you've got foreign Wait. objects like lodged Did in you your vomit? hair? I don't know what you're talking about. No. Hey, that's a good question actually. No, Are you like, sure? That it's... I don't vomit little pieces of rubber that are stuck well, in my hair. Whoever's holding back your hair when you puke, you never know. Maybe you eat like uh, asparagus. A I don't know. All right. Usually larger objects, yes. like a small tire or a toaster. Seriously. And maybe you're like one of those British girls that has to eat roughage all the time, and then they find a thing, you're like bits of hair the size of a football in your stomach. <laughs> all right. Have you thought about just snipping that part of your hair off? I think I think you should because you're going to break the skin. I tangled it beyond belief. Like I'm just going to have to have a short patch of hair there. Okay. Wait. Don't let me oversimplify things here, but could you like brush it out? <laughs> <laughs> well done. For the, for the win. It just takes uh, too much effort. Well, let's do this. We probably hair. don't have time to do uh, the news. Have you rustled up the uh, the cuts? No. Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> But yeah. I will. Okay. Huh. I was going to say because what we could do is we could combine all possible. Oh God! Now Lisa's appearing with some scissors. Oh, Lisa Wood comes okay. in with oh, uh, scissors. I love my. Hair. Because what we could do, Sarah, <laughs> I, I can tell you love your hair by the way that you allow foreign objects to nest in it. <laughs> Every place needs. Everybody needs a home. Um, we could actually do the top five. We could have Todd count them down, and Paddock does the color commentary. I know that's right. It disappears. Yes. Right. Yeah. Are we ready? I'm ready. No. I don't know what's on the list, but I'm ready. Are we? Uh, I've got the first two songs covered. Okay. Do you feel Sarah Dillon like we can plunge on ahead? I can't find the email that you sent me, Rick, because it was so long ago. Wow, for the love it's of a hell of a way to produce. Uh, why don't we do some? That's oh, I'm sorry. He said that he had all of them, and up until like two minutes ago, uh. and he's like, "Oh, we got to get all of them done." You know what? She does have scissors over on that side. I'd be afraid that she's gonna thrust them at you. Seriously, I'm very angry right now. Okay, look, just because you got pieces of swizzle stick stuck in your hair, it's no reason to take it out on the rest of us. This is my flowing locks. Did this happen at Richie's drag show, perhaps?
What, a, a hairband broken my yeah. hair? No. Okay. No, that's something there from... I'm sorry. Yeah, Rick, I don't have them. Okay. Mm. Well, that's great. And Hi, you just gave me... Hey! How are you doing? Glad I was standing by, but okay. I, I can sing some of these songs possibly. That's too. wonderful. I'm sorry. I apologize. Are you great. available tomorrow, Chris Paddock? I'm standing by. You know what? I'd like to just sit here for the remainder of the show, because I feel like... Uh, feel I, I did a lot of work to build up for this uh, top five. And I know you probably rearranged your schedule. I'm sorry I really did. You you asked me to change it not only once, but twice. As Don Henley uh, would say, it's all been wasted time. Yeah, it really so has been. Thank you. You want to weigh Thank in on the news? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll listen. I don't you know, know what's, what's going on. You know what Sarah's like? Sarah today is like one of those people who has that, like, made up that Morgellons disease where it's like, I got thread coming out of my arm. I don't know what you're talking about. And they go to the doctor and they look at this, I got carpet coming out of my toes. <laughs> it's a piece of a rubber band. Uh-huh. It, is? it is? I love, can I see it? I demand to see the rubber well, band. It's just like a little hairball right now. Oh. Okay. All right. You huh? have long hair. You Why? Know. So sexy. Why did uh, you have that rubber so, band in your, on. uh, she's shaking. <laughs> All right, hold on a second. quivering. I know. All right. Is that moving? Uh, it looks like she scalped one okay, of those. Here's the thing. Okay, Sarah's now snipped off a piece of her own hair, and she's she's holding it up. I don't see anything in this. It's just hair. It's a piece of a rubber band with all the hair show me, around show it. Show me where the rubber band is. No, no, no. Come here and point at it in the light. It's, it's like a, a micro machine troll doll was scalped. That's what it kind of looks like. It's very tiny, <laughs> small, show miniature. Please point now to the see? piece of rubber band. That's just hair. No, yeah. see? How Why don't we get a, a pin from the wall and we can unwrap it? No, no one hair sees treat. it. <laughs> I think it's a burr. So this is just nano processor. Oh, oh God, no, Sarah! But you're no. making me do it. Lisa is now pulling Ooh. it apart into separate fibers of hair all over my legal pad. Oh, for the love Apparently, of God. the machines have taken over. See, no, she it's... has pulled it apart strand by strand. There's no rubber band in there. Your your hair rubber. Love you. I was... Okay, <laughs> I want you to look now. There, there is no rubber band. <laughs> No, that's a lie. Your hair was no. just Maybe it's still in there. Maybe it's the wrong one. <laughs> yes. Well, I will say this that's one what we area. It was the rubber band. It really is. No, there's just hair there. This feels oh. kind of um like like Brillo. But to her credit, sometimes yeah, I dye my hair. Oh no, rubber band. No, I used to have really long hair. I uh I had hair longer than yours, so I understand exactly. I mean, I know how that goes. I'm just saying sometimes sometimes a cigar is just a cigar and sometimes there isn't like a secret Cracker Jack prize inside one of your hanks of hair. So right. that was the hottest thing I've seen all week. I know, yeah. Right. Like well, it's only here. Monday. Yeah. So yeah. I can't wait for tomorrow, Brie. Pity that the uh, two Livewire girls weren't here to take part in that. We could have had a whole like hair peeling foursome going on. Do you think this is what uh, Marconi was thinking of when he invented the radio? Guillermo. Yes. 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 This yes. is what Nikola Tesla was yes. imagining when yes. he said, "I will create this machine that can transmit sound for long distances." So that women may paw at one another for the amusement of a horny male audience. This will be what they remember me for. <laughs> and have an award named after you for. Seriously. Heinrich, get in here. All right. Wow. And let us dance in celebration. I'm going to submit this for a crystal award. <laughs> Hair follicle health, as discussed on the Rick Emerson program. It's a hell of a segment. All right. Hard hitting. Who wants to do some news? Yes, well, ladies and I'll gentlemen. I'll do that. I think that falls in my lap. Uh, he uh, can be reached at imagingvoice.com. He is a Portland laid-off media professional filling in for Portland laid-off media professional uh, Tim Riley. This is Todd Tulsis. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. Do people ever call you Tulsis the driving cat? No. Okay. Uh, actually, you know, I did have a sales manager over at KEX who just called me Tunsis. Really? Instead of calling me Tulsis. Uh, all right. Yeah, but I'm... Um, 
I'm not sure he works there anymore either. Well, he was the shortest guy on the staff. I was going to say, isn't that sort of a, a radio is just kind of a Mad Libs at this point? You know what I mean? Blank worked, you know, like in name of employee right. worked at Blank Radio Company, right? Uh, until they were bought by Blank, insert other radio company, and then there were redundancies. Now he is temping at Blank, and then you fill in like a falafel stand downtown. And I, and I really felt like. Add expletives here. Yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. And now goes home and drinks himself blind with blank. Occasionally with a splash of blank. As your, your favorite liquid here. All right. Uh, here is uh, Todd Tulsa's with the news. More than half a million people remain without power in the Northeast in the wake of uh, last week's ice storm. Utility crews are making progress, but say it could be another week before all the power is restored. Ray's Market in Peterborough, New Hampshire, remained open after losing power on Friday morning, but they had to discard all their perishables. Seems such a terrible waste, said the owner. But it makes you wonder why they couldn't just put that stuff outside. That's a good I guess, yeah. I guess that's a good question. I if don't only know. you were in charge. Uh, you know, instead of throwing it away, why don't just put it on the sidewalk? Dude, People will take can it I away. tell you what I got rid of the other day in Southeast? Now, this is a thing you can't do in some of the posher neighborhoods around town, but uh, in. And there's little bits of red hair everywhere. Um, the, uh, what am I going to do with 20 subscriptions to Vibe? The, uh, but uh, I have this Martha Stewart tree at home. Uh, which has been, for many years, was our only tree because we didn't really feel like we had room for a regular tree. So I had this Martha Stewart tree, and it came at you, and it was pretty... Was it Martha Stewart? No, it, well, it wasn't shaped like, like her. Like her, like hanging with, like, ornaments on her arms? <laughs> no, because that would be weird. Yeah. I thought, well, never that mind. would be sort of a Batesian <laughs> motel. Seriously. I'm broken. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Chris Paddock, you're not taking me down to the fruit cellar. <laughs> this month, it's all about the fruit cellar cycle. I just reference. think honesty is important. But, but, but it, was, it, came, it came in a box. You'd take it out, and it was a Martha Stewart tree, and you'd bend down all the uh, branches, and it had lights already attached, and you'd plug it into the wall. I mean, yeah. it was like this great plug-and-play light-up Christmas tree. And we finally got a real tree this year. And so, and some of the bulbs had started to go out, so we're like, well, you know, we'll get rid of it. And Lara's like, you know, no, 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 you know, somebody probably wants that. She's like, put it out on the street. So I literally I stuck it back in the box, and I write the word free on the side oh, yeah. in big letters. Yeah. I stuck it out in, uh, on the street in front of my – keep in mind, I've had a vehicle stolen out of my driveway twice, <laughs> and no one has ever so much as picked up a phone to call the cops anonymously. Sure. Because, and you think, maybe nobody's around. I put that tree on my sidewalk in southeast Portland. I went out five minutes later to walk the dogs, and it was gone. Nice. Gone. So anything you want to get rid of, I, if I wanted to get rid of, like, a dead body, I mean, theoretically, like maybe one of the cheerleaders from Tom Hartman's trunk. Right. I could put them on the side, you know, on the sidewalk in the box it free with, like, a couple coffee mugs in there. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Puppies. Seriously. That's it. So, all right. Because what about the trunk of Tom Hartman's car? There's cheerleaders in Tom Hartman's trunk. Fantastic. All right. Here's uh, Todd Tulse. This next story isn't particularly funny, but it is littered with irony. A U.S. anti-kidnapping expert was kidnapped by gunmen in northern Mexico last week, a sign of just how bold this nation's kidnapping gangs have become. No, you're wrong. That is funny. It is? Yes. Okay. I guess it's funny until something really awful happens to them. It's not ha-ha funny. Yeah. It's like, wow, the irony. It is littered with irony. A U.S. security consultant, Felix Batista, was in Santillo in the Coahuila state to offer advice on how to confront abductions for ransom when he, he himself decided. was abducted he's, for ransom. He's just confronting them literally. <laughs> Kidnapping has become a rising problem in Mexico, but attacks on U.S. anti-crime consultants have largely been the stuff of movies. The, she- the seizure seems to echo the plot of a 2004 movie, Man on Fire, starring Denzel Washington, who played a U.S. security consultant who takes on Mexican kidnappers and is abducted himself. That's a good movie. I, I was wondering, what happened to that Juan Valdez? Did they ever kidnap him? You mean from the mountains of Colombia? Yes. What happened to him? Is he dead? 
Yes. Oh, he yes. is battered, he's broken How dare body. You? He was a donkey? I don't really. I don't. Know what we're talking about. Well, did they kidnap him? I'm wondering if he's Mexican James. Okay. He's not like Mrs. Fields. There's no real Juan Valdez. There is no Mrs. Fields. There is a Mrs. Fields. Uh, there Mrs. is Fields cookies. No, there is a Mrs. Fields, and yeah. she's hot. Even is there now, really? A, okay, so there's really a famous Amos as well. There is a. There is there an is. Amos as well. There Can is. he balance a cookie on his like a giant cookie on his finger? What are we talking about? Oh, never mind. Is there a hole in the cookie? Because no, everyone, everyone stop. Stop. Might be. No, no, no. There might be. Stop. Famous Amos, real. Yes. Mrs. Fields, real, real and hot, even though she's older. Really? Juan Valdez, hot? made up. Juan Valdez, up. not real. There's no. I, well, I get, I'm saying that now, and now somebody's going to email me with like his Facebook page or something. But I don't believe that there is. I think he's fabricated. I think he was created by by an by an, ad, by an ad man. All right. All right. Juan Valdez, not real, but on retainer. What about this guy yes. that was kidnapped? I, well, he's real. There you go. All right. <laughs> it's real. All right. Uh, sir, are we breaking here? All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. We'll wrap it up with Chris Paddock. Sure. Uh, so sorry. What other broken that. things can come out in my head? <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. Uh, all right. Let's see. And uh, Todd Tolsis will uh, wrap it up around the corner as well. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Who wants to know the truth about Juan Valdez? Oh, I, I, do, I, do, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> wow. We didn't plan that. Sarah, on a scale of 1 to 10, how glad are you going to be leaving today? <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. No, because then I get to get on the bus. Great day for everybody. Well, you're taking part in a ritual that millions of Portland commoners have to use every day. Maybe not millions. Uh, well, it's like there's always got to be one person on the show using public transit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's just not me. Rick, you are right. Uh, Juan Valdez, character created in 1959 by National Federation of Coffee Growers of Columbia to represent a typical Colombian coffee farmer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Says uh, Wikipedia. And who am I to uh, who am I to dispute what Wiki- Wikipedia? Wikipedia is always right. <laughs> what they, like when they said I was born a woman, <laughs> and, when they said, and when they said that I was the winner, the four-time winner of the biggest douche in uh, Oregon. Award. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I forgot to tell uh, Courtney and Kate the. That sound like a morning show. I forgot to tell Courtney and Kate the douche story. Oh, we'll have to have them back on. We'll have to have them back in the studio, Sarah. Yes, indeed. Todd Tulsis, uh, thank you for joining us today and filling in, uh, trying to, as we said on Saturday, uh, Tim's stylish shoes uh, cannot truly be filled by anyone because Never. he is a man apart, but you have done a, an exceptional job. And again, just real quickly, we've been saying your website's imagingvoice.com, but you do all kinds of stuff. You're available for many, many things. I do all kinds of voice work. Uh, my agent is a place called In Both Ears uh, here in Portland. In Both Ears. I know them well. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm available for voice work, animations, uh, film strips, uh, you know, slideshows. Uh, bar mitzvahs, uh, you know, brisses, you know, all kinds of things. <laughs> really, I want to know the bris voiceover. I do a play-by-play, you know. Now, now the baby is wondering what he did wrong. Right. And the rabbi is coming into the room now. <laughs> <laughs> the secret word is pain. All right. Thank say, you so uh, much for having me on Hey, today. say hello to uh, Stacy Stahl for me. I surely will. All right. There you go. A little inside radio talk to wrap up this hour with Chris Paddock as well. Hard hitting. All right. Chris Paddock, we'll do this top five tomorrow. Don't hate me. No, I don't hate you. I hope that uh, Sarah gets that stuff out of her hair. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We, want, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents, Lisa Desjardins, uh, uh, Jim Roop, uh, Amanda Moyer, as well as uh, Kate Sokoloff and Courtney Hameister from Livewire Radio. Rick Emerson, Joe Producer today, and every day with the lonely talented Sarah Stillen for Amnesty for the Talker in the newsroom. Todd Tulsis on the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, Webmistress Bridget from upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Until we speak again, may the good news be yours. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Like us next Michael Mara show at 7. Watch up the snakes. Bye.
Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.